Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com. And now, your hosts, Jamie Cass and Pat Reed. Check it. What's up, Jay? And we're back. We're back. And we're back. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We got a live <laughs> studio audience today. Uh huh. That's right. Uh huh. <laughs> that's a first. Other than ourselves. Um, what's going on, man? You sweating out there? Sweating bullets? Oh my gosh! Condition ninety, they call it here, and it's been this way for a long time. Hey. I'm uh, I'm in, I'm in the AC. You got the AC going? Yeah. Oh, dude, that's... your carbon footprint is so huge. Yeah, it sucks, man. I don't have any fresh air, but, you know, I'm not wheezing or nothing either, so it's kind of it's tra- that time it's a trade-off. It's that time of year where you go from air conditioning to air conditioning, from the air-conditioned car to the air-conditioned building, and it's weird. Yeah, I skip all the rest of it, just the house. That's the only part that I'll do the air conditioning. I couldn't I couldn't handle a fully air-conditioned life. <laughs> it's, it's too much for me, but... My, when yeah. I go when I go back to Kentucky and visit my grandparents, um, it's it's just like from one air conditioned box to another, dude. It's kind of wow. crazy. Wow. Yeah. Like yeah. It messes with my lungs, I think. Yeah, man. I can you imagine having the you have a little touch of the Humboldt funk going on right now, don't you? I do. Imagine, I got it now. Imagine yeah. how that would affect affect that jumping in and out of the heat and the cold. Yeah, this cough sucks, dude. I don't know what the deal is with it. It's like ten days old, and uh, I wake up and got a bunch of brown crap that i work out and it's gone and then the day goes on and my lungs get better throughout the day and then as the evening comes it just like perpetually gets worse throughout the evening to more of like a steady cough it sucks yeah you know what your main your main problem is you had it you got it in the summer man it's just like impossible to shake that stuff in the summer why is it worse in the summer I have no idea, but man, I dread when I get a cough coming on like that in the summer. It's like, oh man, I'm never going to get rid of this. What a pain in the neck. Yeah. Well, I hope I do. I hope it never, yeah, yeah it's got to go away soon. I'm starting to, it's just, anno- it's just more annoying than anything, you know, I don't. It's not welcome. Yeah. I'm not feeling sick or anything like that. It's just, you know, crappy crud, humble hack. Don't dig it. It's like the DEA. Yeah, they suck. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I got a question from a friend of mine who asked me, he said, so do you, you know, he's asked me, do you, do you puff every day? And, um, some people might assume that, but no, I, I, I don't actually, I, I take time off of, uh, inhaling cannabis smoke sometimes. Like right now I'm kind of keeping it to a minimum. I don't smoke every single day. Sometimes I do it just to stay clear headed. Sometimes I do it so that I can kind of bring my tolerance back down. I, I don't know, but uh, earlier today, our studio audience was uh, was puffing some ganj, and, and it smelled really good, and I was kind of considering, like, smoking it and not inhaling it, kind of like to how some people puff on tobacco smoke. Am I, am, mm-hmm. I weir- am I a weirdo or what? Smoking but not inhaling. Is that like, like Bill, Bill, Clint- Cl- totally. Bill Clinton-esque? That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, that's, that's like Dirty Bill, you know? 
Maybe he did. Maybe that's what he was in. Maybe he likes the taste. Yeah. You know? Did he like for the taste? Is that's, that why you wanted the? No, he liked pulling in the 400 G's a year that he did. You know. Oh, I'm sure he did, but I mean, like Slickster in the people. Sure, but I just a minute ago I was thinking, well, I really don't want to inhale because my, you know, I got the hack. My my lungs are, you know, crappy, and I've noticed lately when I've smoked with this cough, it like kind of brings the cough back again. So I didn't want to have that going on for the show, and I just really how don't does vapor. Does that affect it? Does vaporization, is that any different? Have you tried that? Well, I really just don't feel like being high right now, to be honest. Oh, I got But I also don't want to cough. So How about um, that? How about that, listeners? This is a 100% uh, cannabis advocate openly saying, comfortably saying, I don't have to be stoned all the time, so... Not all the time. Yeah. Prohibitionists, stick that pipe in your in your, in your pipe and smoke it. All we do is sit around and smoke joints and eat potato chips and watch movies, man. We're you know. Oh, crash! There goes that stereotype. <laughs> yeah. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. You can catch us on uh, at our website www.cannabisagenda.com. Uh, shoot us an email at info at cannabisagenda.com. Phone number is 707-654-CAN-C-A-N-N. Hit us up on Twitter and on Facebook. Also subscribe to iTunes, and you'll, it'll, our, every time we release a show, it'll automatically update in your iTunes and be there for you to listen to. So check us out. Um, so what, we got a, we got a, oh, we had a question from listeners la- for the listeners last week. Yeah, we, like did we, a, we had a contest last week we did. for our listeners. Someone won. Alex from Big Moon Interactive, which is uh, his website for his businesses, uh, bigmooninteractive.com. The question was, uh, it was a quote, an anonymous quote that we made. We wanted to see if someone knew uh, who, who said it. Um, the quote was, it really puzzles me to see marijuana connected with narcotics, dope, and all that stuff. It is a thousand times better than whiskey. It's an assistant and a friend. Uh, Louis Armstrong is who said it. So uh, Infamous Louis. Oh, man. Uh-huh. Louis. But uh, yeah. Alex from Big Moon Interactive, you are the mm-hmm. winner. And uh, I believe we have a DVD on the way to him, right? Yes, sir. All right. So a uh, copy right. of uh, Reefer Madness is on the way to you, Alex. So be be looking for it. Good job, Alex. Um, yeah. And uh, we got an email here from Tim. Um, you probably should cover that, right? Is that a me? Am I the you you uh, refer to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'll, co- I'll cover this one. He said he's a... T- sure. So a guy uh, named Tim sent us an um, email uh, reading. I'm a 27-year-old new smoker. I've been using K2 while it's still currently legal in my state. I smoked some in high school but never took the time to learn about marijuana. I'm now older and wiser and want to be educated about what I'm getting into, but I feel overwhelmed by information. Vaporizers, pipes, strains of the plant, how, how potency is determined, etc. I'm looking for a starting point of information, not entertainment, but that seems to be all I can find. Or, the information available has a very, very steep learning curve. Are there any books or websites you would recommend for those that are new to the culture? Thanks in advance. Uh, thanks for that question, Tim. That's a really good question. What do you think, mm-hmm. Jamie? How what what, what kind of yeah, uh, starting well, points you got for him? I think we would probably agree. Um, a great starting point as far as accessible information would be uh, the new book um, from Safer. Uh, well, about about uh, cannabis versus alcohol, and it, it covers so much more than just that that issue alone. Um, it's on it's listed on our books uh, list on our website. 
So that would be a great jumping off point, I would th- I would say. Um, I would say check out uh, other hemp-related things as well to get educated about the plant in general. Um, of course, The Emperor Wears No Clothes from Jack Herrera is an uh, amazing uh, source of information for that type of stuff. Um, additionally, uh, the biggest thing that I would probably uh, suggest is take your time. You know, be patient, be calm about these things. And when if you haven't tried cannabis or really like uh, smoke very much, then just try something kind of mild and don't don't overdo it and just kind of gauge your your way and, and feel your way through. This is a natural thing. It's a natural experience, you know, and, and you know, you can you have the insight and the ability within you to to feel your way through this and get more acclimated to, you know, based on you and what's good for you. Um, you know, so just don't don't fall prey to the whole stereotype culture thing and you know say i'm gonna get ripped and do all this crazy stuff and then be in the in the emergency room going i don't understand it i think i'm dying sure you You don't have to puff tough like your homies you can take your time and you know moderate your your use and and get into it easily and and i would recommend Uh not not using that k2 crap i don't know about all that yeah i would definitely agree with that i would stay as far away from that nonsense as possible yeah apparently it's kind of unhealthy for you so uh, or, or possibly maybe it's not it's not it's not cannabis so it's synthetic so yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um so yeah take your time there'll be stuff for you and uh check out safer that's a good place to start yep. um you got a, hey, you, know, you, you got an email from someone at uh university of illinois state right i did he's from uh actually he's from uh I think he's from uh, uh, Illinois University. He said he is from an Illinois University, and he contacted me, and I'm not going to say the gentleman's name because I don't know if he wants me to do that or not, but he sounded like he was very uh, – it was a very encouraging email, actually. He was inquiring to all of us, actually, about um, information to help him assess. He's, what he's interested in doing is bringing uh, some sort of uh, advocacy organization or policy reform organization to his campus, to his college campus. And uh, he was inquiring to us for information or kind of some some tips or some help in, in determining which one he should bring. He's considering normal, and he's uh, considering a SSDP. And he's considering a few more. Since I'm since I'm at university in Illinois myself, I told him you know I'm in the same state. I'll I'll be able to come and meet with you. I'll be happy to meet with him and talk about things. You know we have some some somewhat extensive uh, experience in these areas. I know that. Um, Cogs has got quite a bit of experience in activism. I know you have some pretty serious experience in this area as well. So, you know, I said, I told him, sure, we're, we're very happy to, uh, to, you know, give him the information we can give him without trying to lead him into what to do. You know, we can just set it out there on the table and say, this is what we know. And these are tips or helpful things that you can, you can be aware of before you step into something like this. Cause you know, we want to make it worthwhile and we don't want to make most importantly, we don't want to step out there and go, Oh, Oh shit. I didn't realize that it was going to be all this and then be in a conundrum and, and jump out of it and make it, you know, make it ineffective and make it, you know, kind of give it a bad name or, you know, something like that. So we want him to be prepared. And he, he sounds like he is. I'm confident that he's going to bring this to uh, his campus and it should go really well. So that'll be a, a good addition. And we thank him for his email, by the way. I know if he's, he's probably, he's likely listening from his, from the tone of his emails, he, he's really liking our show a lot. And uh, so I'm sure he's going to check out this episode. And if he does, you know who you are and I will be happy to meet with you um, here soon. And uh, we'll set that up. And uh, I'm looking forward to speaking with him. Awesome. Awesome. Mm. So we don't yeah. uh so we don't have any quotes or trivia questions this week, right? 
Nope, we don't. No uh, prizes. Uh, no prizes. But we still want your emails, so uh, please uh, shoot the emails our way, and we will um, discuss the best ones. Uh, also, give us a call if um, if you have something you want to say, and maybe have it played over there. Um, looks like it's time for our California update for the week. California. Uh, w- well, we're gonna be today. We're gonna about today's show. We're gonna cover California. Uh, we're going to do an interview with uh, Kelly Dodds, who's the president of mm-hmm. 707 Cannabis, Cannabis College in Garberville. Um, we're going to cover a few few kind of stupid stories. Uh, we're going to mm-hmm. cover Oregon, a story from uh, Colorado, one from New Mexico, um, some Midwest stuff, and uh, some stuff from the Fed. I think you also have a, a research story today, too. So that's what's coming mm-hmm. up for the show today. Uh, on to mm-hmm. California. What a bitch. Oh, you must be talking about Feinstein. I am. I'm mad. I voted for her before, and she's now officially lost my vote. I don't care. I might vote for a Republican <laughs> against her. It's possible. It's a scary thought. Yeah. I'm mad, dude. Uh, I'm not happy with her. Okay, so she's decided to support the campaign to defeat legalization. And um, she's been a senator in uh, California since uh, 1992. Um, On Monday, she issued a statement through the opposition campaign calling the measure, quote, a jumbled legal nightmare that will make our highways, our workplaces, and our communities less safe. Ow. Whatever. Um, (sighs) She's basically... Prop 19, um, if you don't know what it is, it's a proposition we have coming up in November, and it would allow adults uh, age 21 and older to possess, grow, and transport marijuana, and would also allow cities and counties to regulate and tax commercial sales. Um, Most of the state's top elected officials and candidates for statewide office from both major parties are against the initiative. So far, the biggest uh, supporter has been in NAACP, and they did so for uh, civil rights um, reasons, uh, stating that, you know, blacks are, um, you know, they, they're they ex- excessively um, victim to marijuana laws. Um, in deciding to oppose the measure, Feinstein cited a recent report from RAND Corporation, the San- Santa Monica-based research institute, the report concluded that about the only certain effects of the measure was that the price of marijuana would plummet and consumption would increase. Um, and I don't know that that's actually what they even concluded. And this is a story from CannabisNews.org. <laughs> yeah, it is. So um, we're getting into that. We're just going to flow right into that story. So here's a story from about the – we talked about the RAND study last week. And what the RAND study said was – well – what it kind of said was that um, perhaps prices could drop as dramatically from $375 an ounce at the retail level to $38 an ounce at the retail level. But they've made a lot, apparently they made a lot of assumptions in doing that. And they mentioned in it that you, <laughs> that it could make uh, use of cannabis increase by as much as it could make it double. Um, but there's a story here that we're reading this week, and this is from, Someone that, that you guys know, right? Pete Geither at uh, Drug War Rant. Drug mm. War Rant, Pete Geither. And um, he wanted to let everyone know about the study um, that Rand did. And he basically shows that, um, tries to show here in this story that um, 
the media reported the story differently than the report actually read. Um, he, he said, here's pretty sure, here's what they actually know. They know that consumption will increase, but it's unclear how much because we know neither the shape of the demand curve nor the level of tax evasion. Um, so when they, in this 55 page report, they didn't actually ever say that they, they believe it will definitely double. They're just making an assumption at some point that it's possible that it could double. Um, so as far as, um, consumption, we don't really know how much consumption will increase. And I'd like to note for everyone in, in Holland where, cannabis consumption is legal they actually use less cannabis than in the united states so over time i'm not so sure that we really have any idea whether it's going to increase or decrease at this point um and then when he goes he, he goes into some in-depth um economic stuff here about elasticity and that sort of stuff but he's basically showing that they're make for the price for the for the price estimates they were doing they were making some pretty crazy assumptions um, so it's going to be hard for us to know exactly what prices are going to be too, but to imagine it dropping to $38 an ounce seems pretty crazy to me. I couldn't, couldn't imagine that actually being the case. Um, and then, uh, let's see. Okay. He's <laughs> the funny part. He says down here, um, there's no, there's no cause for what they're doing. He said, okay, so. A simple. This is what they said. A simple calculation suggests if someone believes that marijuana is causally responsible for many crashes that involve marijuana using drivers, legalization's effect on crashes could be a first-order concern for them. There is no empirical evidence concerning an elasticity of fatal accident rates with respect to marijuana price, prevalence, or quantity consumed, and as we have underscored repeatedly, there is enormously uncertainty concerning how legalization might affect, affect those outcomes. However, 50 or 100% increases in use cannot be ruled out, nor can the possibility that marijuana-involved traffic crashes would increase proportionally with use, so it would be hard to dismiss out-of-hand worries that marijuana legalization could increase traffic fatalities by at least 60 per year. That's what Rand said. But they're saying there is no way to calculate it, and they can't prove it, but then they said, however, 50 or 100% increases cannot be ruled out. Now, that's what the media reported. The media reported that they found that it was going to increase by 50 to 100%. Not that they said it could and maybe will. Um, and then what Pete replied was, um, he, if, if someone had said this in person, he would uh, accuse them of being high and having one of those weird free association monologues. Um, what if I were to say, we have no evidence to show that stepping on a crack in the sidewalk will break your mother's back or how often people step on a crack, yet if someone believes crack stepping leads to back breaking, then it would be hard to dismiss out of hand the concern that an increase in sidewalks could increase the number of disabled matrons by at least 60 per year. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know. I <laughs> just, I, I'm just not into this Rand thing. Um, he's also pointing out here that Rosalie Licardo Peculia, who co-directs the Rand Drug Policy Research Center, she has uh, kind of a personal agenda against uh, marijuana legalization. And in all the AP stories, she's the person that they called a California voter. 
They didn't call her the <laughs> co-director of the RAN. They just called her a California voter. And her quote was, uh, the lack of specific, uh, specificity. Jeez, that one. The lack of that stuff. In both the ballot measure and the bill that would have put uh, pot in the same regulatory category as alcohol, this neither was sufficient for us to get an idea of what the effect of this was. And as a voter, that was disturbing to me. Oh, as a voter. And they called her a voter mm-hmm. in the AP stories. But yeah, she's the co-director of RAND. So um, I don't know. I'm just kind of feeling like that was all kind of a bogus study. And it's kind of, uh, it has, they have, they have an agenda. For Fear tactic? I think so. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking. What do you think, Jamie? Yeah, I think I agree with you. I think that's, I don't know. Did we ever figure out who, where Rand gets their money from? Um, I went on their site this weekend and tried to, to look it up. I, I think a lot of their dollars come from the government. I'm pretty sure. I mean, um, mm. I don't think it's all private for sure. I think they do a lot of government research, but um, mm. I was on their site trying to figure that out, and it, it wasn't like, yo, we get our dollars from the Fed, man. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, no, no, no. They don't make it easy. <laughs> no. no, it's kind of it's kind of like the CIA tracing all these, like, offshore bank accounts, and <laughs> right. sometimes it's it's almost like that. You know, it's just they make it very difficult because they know that their, their whole uh, – I don't know, I guess dr- what they're driven by will be exposed and that'll kind of hurt their message. Well, it'll diminish their message pretty much. So yeah, they, they pretend a lot. Fakers, fakers. Mm. Um, so looks like there's some polling info out there now on Prop 19. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like a field study done by who is this group? They are the Field Poll. Field Research Corporation shows Prop 19 down by four points currently. Uh, so those um, opposing it uh, at 48% and those supporting it at 44%. Um, and apparently now 77% of voters are aware of the proposition. So all the registered voters they talk to, 77% um, are aware of it. So there's still some... Uh, educating do just to make people aware of it. Um, however, right. there are conflicting polls out there. I don't know if they're push polls or what, but I've heard as much as it being neck and neck, and then I've heard the whole other end, um, the yes side having as much as a 10-point lead. So polls are what they are, but um, yeah. I think it's... There's a margin for error there, too. There is, and it's pretty close to a coin flip at this point still as far as Prop 19 goes. Um, Humboldt County, Humboldt County is, um, starting, is trying to put a pot ordinance into place for if Prop 19 passes in November, uh, the draft, um, they're highly speculative and open input as the, as is the rest of the ordinance. Um, they are putting together how they're going to charge people and they're going to have to, to actually work in the industry. It looks like they're going to have a this is these are proposals at this point. They're going to have a five hundred dollar year uh, per year um, regulatory fee for cultivation license, or seven hundred and fifty dollar per year fee for a nursery license. The cultivation license would allow it looks like up to ninety nine plants per parcel, and the culti- the nursery license would allow up to a thousand plants. They're also going to charge a thousand dollars a year for a processing license, and what this is a uh, Allows processing and packaging marijuana with each package not to exceed an ounce, and I guess that's based off of hmm. the ounce. I don't know what's going if that mm-hmm. if they're trying to change the, you know, like if you can't just send wholesale 
pounds down, or maybe that's for retail. It's not totally clear. Mm-hmm. And then a three thousand dollar per year cost for those wanting to do wholesale, two thousand for retail, and twenty five hundred per year for a farmer, processor, retailer license. So you can get a package deal if you do the whole thing. Um, and there will be a event on July twenty fourth at the let's see. Where is that going to be? At the Bayside Grange from 2 to 6 p.m. Um, called Humboldt Cannabis, A Future of Opportunity. So check that out if you're in the area and you're interested. Um, now we're going to move on to our interview. And mm-hmm. uh, we're going to get uh, Kelly Dodds on the line. Um, she is the president of 707 Cannabis College in Garberville, which will be opening its doors soon. Um, we're very interested in hearing what she has to say. Let's get her on the line. All right. Are you there, Kelly? Yes, I am. Hi, Kelly. Um, calling from the cannabis agenda and, uh, want to let everyone know who we're talking to here. We are talking to Kelly Dodds and she is the president of the 707 Cannabis College, which is a uh, cannabis college that's going to be opening up in uh, Garberville, California shortly. Um, how are you today, Kelly? I'm I'm fabulous. It's a beautiful day in paradise. Is it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. We've had, <laughs> oh we, yes, it is. We've had great coastal weather and everything lately. I bet it's only it's been really beautiful in Garberville. Oh, it's been fabulous. Good. Good. So how are you folks? We are well. We're we've uh, we've been you know our show's been growing. We're getting a lot lot of new listeners every day, and uh, this has mm-hmm. uh, been a really fun project for us. And uh, we're getting to meet a lot of uh, really interesting people like you. So. It's been, uh, well, been thank you very much for uh, for inviting me, and I uh, I uh, I look forward to this. Thank you so much. We're very grateful. Cool. Well, um, let's get into this then. Um, just want to start out, um, kind of uh, you, kind of laying out what the goals, concerns, and uh, educational mission is for your college. Well, uh, basically, it is. Uh, we are. We think we're the only college that has this this agenda, which would be strictly educating everyone about everything that has to do with this industry or cannabis, medical marijuana, and there is so much more to it than than providing instruction on how to open a dispensary. So I believe everything that we've that we've investigated about uh, all the all the colleges in this state and out of this state. That seems to be the uh, the 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 common thread there, and as that is honorable, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the fact that uh, that they uh, that 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 Richard Lee, in fact, at at Oaksterdam, has started his uh, started his college, and now it's opening uh, up opportunities for other people like us. We are about sustainable, organic gardening practices. We are also um, 100% committed to educating the end-user patient about choices. You have choices with your medicine. You can choose and seek out sustainably organic, organically grown medicine, or you can take and accept the the factory farmed, um, um, non-organic medicine. And we believe that given the choice, people will 
we'll, we'll take the organic, we'll, we'll opt for the organically grown, sustainable medicine that is specifically grown for their, for their ailment or their, or their problem. We also believe it's that absolutely, absolutely necessary to, to put together a program so that we can teach the medical community, doctors, PAs, nurses, counselors, on how to be a cannabis or medical marijuana doctor or health provider. There's a lot of opportunity. There's a lot of medical, medical people that want to, but they don't understand it. Therefore, they're not going to cross that line because they have... They have ethics, and they, if they don't understand it, they're not going to promote it. So we have an ob- obligation and an opportunity to teach the medical community, and that is a very strong strong uh, point for us. So how are you including that um, in your curriculum? Are you going to have courses on all these different things separately, or is there going to be one general course to start out? Um, how, how exactly are you going to be getting those, you know, that across to your students? That's a, that's a great question. We are going to, we have already established and we have a curriculum and it's online already posted that gives you a breakdown of our foundation class. We call it our foundation class. Because we, we, we have the idea that it's giving our students the actual foundation to move forward. And what we're going to provide are three basic elements. We're going to provide medical information, everything that is published and that is peer-reviewed, and that is actual fact, we are going to, pre- we are going to present. We're also going to present the, the idea of sustainable organic gardening in soil. There's an outdoor, um, um, you can do that outdoor, you can do it indoor, and there's a responsible way to do it indoor with one light to produce your own medicine, and that's, uh, that's, that's a very, that's just really a, a very strong, strong position that we hold. Then we're also going to be providing the politics, history, and law, current law, of medical cannabis in the state of California in particular, and as much as we can provide information, true information about other states. But we're going to focus on California since this is where we are. What we also want to provide is after we have this this, this foundation class for, for people, that is a 12-hour classroom uh, classrooms time it's going to take uh, it's going to go over Saturday and Sunday and we also will be providing workshops from medical to uh, advanced gardening techniques to pests and pathogens we have a advisory board that is on uh, on staff here and, and, and on board with us and we have a Dr. William Courtney is on that board. We also have Dr. Robin Spitko, who is a uh, has a PhD in in plant pathology. She's on the board, and we also have an attorney on the board. So uh, we have a good foundation class. We believe to leap to or or have a jump start to many more opportunities and many more uh, um, many more educational factors. Which the main the main thing right now is to put together a curriculum for the medical community so we can teach doctors how to be medical doc- how to be medical marijuana doctors as well. 
That's that's very interesting. That's a I haven't heard of any schools that are currently doing that. So that's that's a totally different uh, mm-hmm. way of going about it. Very interesting. Um, what where where is your campus? Uh, first of all, for our listeners, most of our listeners are online, so they may want to mm-hmm. to to check out your website www seven o seven cannabiscollege dot com. But uh, can you tell us a little bit about your campus and uh, where exactly it is and what's well, Yes, I can. Uh, we're in the beautiful uh, Emerald Triangle in uh, Cal- in Northern California, and we're in Humboldt County, Gerberville. And Gerberville is the unofficial capital of the Emerald Triangle. We like to call it. We have uh, uh, we do not have a actual campus now. We are renting classroom space as we have classes available. Uh, we are not. We don't have deep pockets. We are uh, people that want to make a difference here. And what we want to do is 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 not go into horrendous debt to provide this. So what we want to do is we are in the process of of looking at at um, grant money that can be provided to us so we can move forward with a campus and have our own space and our own campus. And that my dream is to have a a, a campus with a with a lab. And a and a bookstore, of course, and a juice bar with healthy items as well. And as also, um, I also want to provide housing. There's a little bit of a of a of a rub with the housing here because we are uh, we are on 101. We are in the in the in the heart of the of the uh, redwood uh, the redwood forest here. And due to that fact, we get a lot of uh, a lot of tourists that come here not for the cannabis culture, but come here because it's just, it's heaven. It's just a beautiful place to be. So due to that fact, there's an opportunity for um, for housing. So I would like to provide housing to my students as well. So I have, I have big dreams. <laughs> I have big dreams. It, um, the housing, who is your, who's your target audience then? Who, who exactly do you want to attend your school? You know, um, well, we want everybody to have an opportunity to attend our school. Um, we have been monitoring the website that's been up for about a month or so, and uh, there has been a bevy of, uh, of hits from all over the United States, all over the world, um, but in particular, um, the United States, California, and there's something going on in Pennsylvania. Something know, going on in Pennsylvania, there, huh? There, yes, there is, because uh, that's the second... Uh, that's the second highest uh, uh, hit uh, state that really? visited the website. Yeah, it's amazing. But it's they don't huge, even have medical cannabis. Though. They don't even have medical cannabis, do I, they? I don't think so. Uh, no, they don't. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. I found that very interesting. So to answer your question, really, we want to be we want to provide to our community here, our local community, which is uh, very learned and does not need and require the masses don't the the, the foundation class. But we've been very, very surprised, pleasantly surprised that that there is an opportunity here, and there are people that 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 are very interested in waiting in line. We do have a waiting list um, for people to attend our first class, our first foundation class, and we are looking for um, really um, a national um, draw. I believe that people will. This is going to be, if not if not already, a destination stop. And that this will uh, um, be definitely moving forward 
um, as, as far as as this the opportunities and the the way that we can provide help to others by providing knowledge. So pretty much anyone can come. They don't have to have a medical recommendation or anything like that. Just anyone that that wants to attend the college can come. You know what? You do need a med- You do need a 215, and you can. Uh, um, we can assist people if they do not have that um, by uh, recommending uh, um, local physicians, Dr. Uh, Kenneth Miller, Dr. Mm-hmm. William Courtney. So we will we will assist in providing that. But right now, our attorney is uh, recommending that we definitely require that. And what about um, out of state? Uh, people that want to visit from out of state, will they be able, like, say you have a medical recommendation in Colorado, would you be able to mm-hmm. come to this college? Yes, you still can come to this college, but unfortunately the state of California is one of the few medical marijuana states that does not uh, does not acknowledge the um, medical marijuana recommendations from other states. Mm-hmm. I, I find that just very odd since we were the first uh, to uh, to to approve a medical marijuana compassion act here, and we are the ones that aren't uh, <laughs> we don't we don't accept other states. But but in in that so in that vein, if you do have a medical marijuana recommendation from another state, you're going to have to get one from the state of California to come to our school today. That is the way we have it set up today, and until we are are um, um, are advised by our by our attorney to to go another way. We're going to have to stick with that, but we will do everything in our power to assist in uh, providing that to our students that want to come here. And I've already had some conversations with people from out of state, and uh, that doesn't seem to be a a problem for them. They're uh, that's just not a stepping. It's not a block. And for them to come here. The doctors are willing to give recommendations to patients that have out-of-state driver's licenses. Is that a, that's not an issue either? Uh, um, no, it's not. Uh, this we've been informed by our uh, by not only uh, our attorney, but our, but of course our the medical community here that um, it is not against the law to go to another state for medical um, care. Nor is it against the law to go to another state and and be educated. Okay. So, uh, so with that with that with that in mind, uh, we welcome everyone, and we uh, we are we are looking forward to the time to the day when we don't have to uh, we don't have to uh, require that. But right now, today, we're going to have to require that. And again, we will do everything we can, and uh, intend on doing everything we can to to facilitate that and okay. make it an easy process for people. Good. Um, are you going to be taking students to any um, growth sites, outdoor, indoor, greenhouse, anything like that? Will will they get to have any hands-on experience with some, you know, good quality Garberville mm-hmm. ganja growing? <laughs> uh, you know what? We uh, we are working that out right now with a protocol that we are going to provide to the county uh, sheriff and uh, DA to um, – to give them the protocol on how we're going to uh, to uh, transport um, medicine to our cl- from from a one site to our to our classroom, so we're gonna uh, that is in the works and we're figuring out how to how to provide that right now, and we are also uh, looking at 
um, partnering up with a uh, with a research facility here as well, because Excellent. I'm a firm believer, and we are a firm believer that that as we go forward with this, regulation must follow. Regulation must follow. There must be guidelines. There must be best practices, and um, and it it people should be accountable. So we, yeah, we agree with that as well yeah, here so, at the show for sure. Great, great. Um, and uh, how about edibles and concentrates? Are you guys going to be uh, teaching any material on edibles and concentrates? Yes, yes, we are actually. Uh, uh, my director of education, Donna King, she is uh, actually uh, working on on uh, um, putting together a a class or a workshop with licensed nutritionists and herbalists certified herbalist so that we can provide that uh, the the correct information and the correct dosing. Great, great. Yeah, we we talk often about the correct dosage uh dosage for um <laughs> edibles on this show because we've we've we run into people all the time that uh don't medicate properly with uh edibles. So, um that's that's Absolutely. Yeah, that's all that's all very important for people to get a knowledge of. When when do you think your college is going to be open, Kelly? Um, not soon enough <laughs> for me. <laughs> right. I am very excited, uh, so excited. I'm, I just can't wait. Um, I plan, we plan on, uh, pr- on, uh, putting dates on the, um, publishing dates on the website for the, for, for this fall. And I keep telling my board and the, my director of education that, uh, you know, this fall, really, you know, fall starts in September, so be as early as that <laughs> good so and in, in you're gonna have those posted those dates posted soon then oh absolutely absolutely another uh another workshop that we're putting together right now that was uh we got some great suggestions and feedback from our event at the at the material center in, in redway last weekend and one of the uh one of the the things that stands out most for me is um someone came up to me and said you need to teach how to cure how to properly cure yeah. the medicine? Yes. Because I think that's one of our that's a, that's a huge opportunity, and and um, um, I'm amazed on how many how many people really want that and need that that uh, that education. So that's uh, one of the new exciting things that that uh, that uh, Donna Donna King is uh, working on. And bless her heart, she's a she's a trooper. Yeah, that's that's a um that's very interesting. A lot of people don't pure their pure their product properly, even up here, even with all the collective knowledge that exists. Um, a lot Absolutely. of people get that wrong for quite a while before they get it right. Actually, so that would be huge for people. Mm-hmm. You might get a really good draw for that actually from from locals. Mm-hmm. Act, you know, that's a oh, I think so. We're we're planning on on uh, providing that one uh, in October. Excellent, excellent. You might, yeah. That's that's a really good idea. I like that. <laughs> um, Jamie, you got you've got an interesting. So that we've got some some uh, some other follow up questions now. They uh, still pertain to your ideas with your college, but also more with your personal philosophy and you know your opinions and stuff. So uh, let's uh, move mm-hmm. into those. Jamie, you've got a mm-hmm. good one starting out here, don't you? I do. I've got one. Hi, Kelly. First of all, how you doing this morning? I'm doing fabulous. How are you, Jamie? 
Excellent. I'm great. Thank you so much. As you know, it's really difficult to hear you talking about paradise out there. I'm sitting in Illinois at university and <laughs> I, I miss it all. I miss Dr. Ken Miller and all you, all that area out there right in the middle of the beautiful redwoods. But, uh, you know, bittersweet. Anyway, um, I want to ask you this, Kelly, mo I spend most of my time on the activist side of things, really fighting uh, in legislatures um, to get uh, basically heightened awareness is the, is the crux of what we do. And uh, mm -hmm. the, the biggest thing I'm hearing right now, it seems like they get these wet wedge issues. It's almost like they're, they get a meeting together and look for some new issue that they can use to, you know, detract from, from, from the truths about cannabis and, and, and try to tell people that, that this is a, just a, a facade. I mean, obviously we're way beyond that at this point, but they're just relentless. And the, the biggest thing I've heard recently is that there's no way that this can be considered as medicine because it lacks the FDA uh, approval process that all pharmaceuticals uh, are, are, for, are, you know, forced to go through. So I was wondering if mm -hmm. you could speak to that. We've, I've spoken uh, in previous shows about this. I think, in my opinion, I thought that the, that's, a, that's a false paradigm for us to frame cannabis in, to say that it needs to be exactly like a pharmaceutical. We can say that it does the same thing. It provides the same qualities. It gives you better relief, often with a lot less uh, harm um, than, than pharmaceuticals do. Without saying that, you know, this necessarily has to be FDA approved. I mean, eventually, hopefully we can clarify the science and get more consistency and, you know, head toward that direction a little bit more. But in the meantime, well, how would could you speak to that that paradigm? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, mm -hmm. What do you think about that? How do we deal with this? Well, I would uh, I would respond with um, with factual um, um, reports and papers that have been peer-reviewed by uh, by other physicians from people like Dr. Courtney, uh, Dr. William Courtney here, Dr. Ken Miller here. They have all they have provided. Oh, and, and I can't forget Dr. Uh, Dr. Talleyrand, Dr. Jean Talleyrand. They have provided um, documentation through science, through science, and and have provided these uh, these these papers and these findings, and they have been peer-reviewed. Like, again, by by their by their peers, by by other uh, by other physicians, not just cannabis physicians, by other physicians as well. So I would I would respond to that, and I would also respond to the fact that this is going to be and is a alternative medicine. It's part of the alternative medical practices that we have in the world, and uh, in particular, California, United States. We have chiropractors. We have acupuncturists. We have medical cannabis doctors. We have um, we have yoga. We have Pilates. We have so many things that we can do to be proactive in in our own our own health and well being that are not under FDA um, guidelines are not right. approved under FDA stuff. Uh, and due to that fact, it, it, this is you know this has been thousands and thousands of years. Um, use nice. this medicine has been used over thousands and thousands of years. So there's, um, I guess I would I would respond to that. I would respond with medical yeah, uh, um, papers that have been peer reviewed. That's an excellent answer, Kelly. Thank you for that. I I think you I think you make a great point there. Um, making sure that people um, differentiate and let pe and and when they're when they're talking about cannabis or or kind of promoting. Um, the efficacy of medical cannabis to make sure that they stipulate, look, this is an alternative medicine. That doesn't mean it's lesser 
in quality or effectiveness in any way, or, or the efficacy is right. lower in any way necessarily. That just means that this is not, this is a different, it, it needs to be framed differently to be accurate. That's excellent. Thank you. I actually, can I use that? I'm going to, I'm going to use that first absolutely. on some senators. If you don't mind. Great. Thank you. Thank you for absolutely, that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and to, to follow up with that, it's something that, that comes, that comes to mind for, for me as well, that we are also, I'm asking my, uh, my, my director of education to also put together and work with, um, and I just have to apologize. I cannot remember her name, her last name, but her, her first name is Kate, and I can follow up with this at a later date with you. Uh, but her name is Kate. She's from, uh, she's an activist, a cannabis mm-hmm. activist, medical marijuana activist. And she is also, uh, and she's from uh, Montana, and she's come out here to visit and has spoke at uh, the Clint meeting that I was at uh, last month. And I was utterly fascinated by this woman, the fact that she, her, her whole point is, it is our responsibility as citizens to now go to and teach our legislators how to legislate this, how to create law for medical Absolutely. marijuana or for <laughs> cannabis entire, in, every, in every aspect of it. And because they don't, she feels that they, they that there's enough uh, legislators that do want to move forward and do believe that it is a that it is a a, a, a worthwhile um, um, thing to, to to produce and to push and to push for. But they don't understand it. So what we do as humans, we fear what we do not understand. So if we right. educate them, then we have a better chance on getting real real law that is that is for everyone yeah we talk about that often on this show the that there's a general law passed in a state and then they start going to regulate it from that point on and who is it that's regulating it what knowledge do they have of cannabis who is counseling them and advising them and it seems time and time again that they lack the knowledge to do it properly and um that's a lot of the roadblocks we're kind of running into so that's a that's an interesting, um, interesting kind of perspective to want to teach people with too, because uh, those people, you know, you're going to find legislators that want the information as well, or their staff members, or or whatnot, and mm-hmm. cre- creating a network to get to them is imperative to this to to our mission to mm-hmm. make this a, a viable, you know, consumer product for people and an actual economy. You know, that's uh, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. And if we, uh, if and that can roll over to so many aspects of, of of every citizen's life. If you're taught how to do one thing, on how to make a difference in law and your in your your way of life, then oh my God, what an empowerment! What, how powerful can you be as citizens as a group to move forward with everything that comes up for us? So, so I think it's it's. It it, it it overflows to everything in our in our world and our life. You're speaking my language now, man. My hair's standing up. I'm like all excited. This is good. <laughs> yeah, I've been. Um, <laughs> I listened to your um, KMUD panel. For everyone that doesn't know what KMUD is, it's a radio station based out of Garberville, California. It's a community radio station. They do uh, great social advocacy on that station. Um, and in your panel, you were talking about. Uh, patients having a better understanding of the quality of their medicine. Can you explain what you mean? Yes. Well, I believe that there's a, well, 
There's uh, most of the medical cannabis, in my opinion, my experience in the state of California, at the very least, is it's like industrial farmed. It is farmed on um, um, in an indoor situation where there it's not natural light. It it's you know, there are grow lights, and it's done hydroponically. And unfortunately, if you tell, if you say a story or a lie, if you will, over and over and over, and you say it enough, people will believe you eventually. And that is what I believe, my own personal experience of the state of California is the majority, not all, the majority of what I've experienced is that that's what the, the, that is being offered in our dispensaries. And it's coming from the dispensary is now growing their own medicine. Therefore, they don't, there isn't opportunity for the mom and pop local sustainable gardener farmer that wants to provide um, the, 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 the best medicine for, for humans to, to, to ingest or smoke or, in, or, or put into their body. And now it's coming from, this is supposed to be medical marijuana, it's supposed to be helping people. And it's full of, I'm sorry to say, full of chemicals, um, pesticides, and uh, and so on. So oh, I know I'm going to make some people angry, and I'm very, and and, and 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 it's not my intention. What my intention is is to teach that you have a choice. You have a choice, and if you ask, and you have certification behind you, then you will get the product, the medicine that you need, and that's best for you. I completely agree, and yeah, we 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 might anger some people with this. Here's a here's a question I just thought of for you. What do you think of the paradigm that exists in California that that basically claims indoor pot is better than outdoor pot? What do you think about that? Personally, yeah, I do don't you... believe it is. I believe how you how you grow the medicine, how you grow the plant, is what makes the biggest difference. And what I mean by how you do, your intention, what is your motivation? Are you trying to farm it and get the most product that you can and damn those torpedoes just to make a buck? Or do you really want to make a difference and make a living, not a killing? So I believe that indoor, boy, you're not only choosing to, uh, to, to, to create a false environment for, for plants to grow, but you're also using a heck of a lot of uh, energy. And energy means oil. Oil means digging. It means pumping oil. It means going out into our oceans and pulling it out or buying it from, from other, uh, other countries. So I believe that, uh, that people, first thing that they should think of when they think of indoor is, wow, I wonder what the carbon footprint is for that. And if you want to know, Go on to my website and go to the mission statement page. Go to where our mission statement is, and you will see a. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not. Um, su- it's not subjective. It's not my opinion. It's fact. It came from a re- report, I believe, in 2007 from MIT, and they did a study on indoor generator diesel generators um, produced cannabis. And you're using a 2,500, uh, um, 25,000 actually, I think, uh, or 2,500 uh, uh, generator in your 
it's just amazing. I can't even. I, I, I'm stunned by it as well. I'm looking at the poster that we that we hang everywhere we go, and it's this footprint. So I invite everybody to check out that that uh, our website and please go to our mission statement page, and you will see the MIT's report on what the carbon footprint is for a diesel generated indoor grill. So. So and then check out uh, the city of Oakland. Sorry, has approved a uh, uh, a seven acre indoor grow situation, which is tapped right into the the the, the California um, grid and will be wow. just sucking energy from. I'm sure that would that would probably take care of many many households. So. It's like a factory farm. Well. Yeah, it's like a factory oh, farm. Oh, it is a it is a factory farm. They, I think they're 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 uh, they're projecting their their goal is twenty is fifty eight pounds a week or something something insane. Wow, wow, that's insane. Uh, yeah, and it's all being you know non sustainable, non organic. I am sure. I don't know for a fact what, how their what their medium is, but I'm I can only assume that it's similar to every other indoor. So do you think indoor growing can be done sustainably in any method, any way? Is it possible? You know what? I think there's hope. <laughs> I think there's a, there's a place for an indoor one to two light scene for your medicine. Absolutely. And you know what you can do is, is what we're, what we're, I just talked to one of our, one of our, uh, um, Seed stores or uh, garden centers, and I'm working a uh, um, 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 uh, not a deal, but a relationship with uh, an agreement with them to help us to help provide us with LED grow lights so that we can do our own um, our own scientific, if you will, um, um, test and see if it is in fact in fact viable to to start promoting LED grow lights because they have come a long way and you can adjust them they adjust their light spectrum from green blue to, to orange red and um it's uh, just a, a just a speck of 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 uh of of energy that it requires so yeah to answer your question yes I do believe that there is I believe there currently is and I believe that there's even better um, alternatives and better answers in the future. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, uh, when it comes to organics and sustainability, how do you how do you feel about what? How do you feel the important of uh, the how important is organics when it comes to growing marijuana? I personally think it's huge, huge. I believe that uh, that um, it's amazing what we'll pay and what we'll seek out to find. Uh, Organically grown vegetables and uh, and and, and uh, organically sustainably grown um, fibers for our clothes, but it gets poo pooed sometimes when we say, "Well, do you grow your medicine organically?" And people go, "Huh? Right. I didn't even know we should even be asking for that." Right. Right. And 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 currently, there's no way to prove that you actually do so. Um, you know. Well, there currently is, and we do have labs, and that's how that's the only way you're going to get that uh, get that um, certified is that we do have labs in California that are cannabis labs that um, we're op- there's one opening here in uh, in uh, in Humboldt in uh, in Garberville Redway area. It's called uh, Canna Lab by uh, 
Robert Wiener. Robert Wiener is opening a, uh, a lab here shortly, and uh, so there will be, uh, and there'll be more opening up uh, after him. I'm sure of it. In my experience in this industry, there's a lot of dispensaries that will simply ask a vendor, "Is this organic?" The vendor says yes, and then it's marketed as organic. Um, now, more and more um, consumers want some sort of proof, and we're moving towards that, and that's a good thing. And it sounds like these labs are going to actually be able to test a product and determine if it is or not organic. Is that what you're getting at? Absolutely. Um, they are currently uh, um, there's currently some some labs that are currently doing this, and uh, yes, what they can test what they test is THC level. They test for um, uh, these are the most popular things that they test for. THC level, of course. They also want to test for pesticide residue, fungicide residue. They also want to test for um, insects because there's a bad rap with people that say, well, you know, if you grow outdoor, then, you, you know, you got bugs. Well, no. If you grow sustainably, sustainably organically, you're going to minimize that, and it's going to uh, be absolutely positively, um, it can be grown to a level that is acceptable, better than acceptable even. So um, when it comes to, uh, to what you can uh, provide from a lab, those are, the, those are the key things. And, of course, those will qualify you as organic or non-organic. I got a question for you, Kelly. We've been trying to figure mm-hmm. this out, and we had someone advise us at one point on this topic. But uh, do you happen to know what the average cost it is to produce a pound of high-grade heirloom outdoor marijuana? You know what? I do not. Um, that is something that I am very curious to know, and I do have a uh, uh, an associate. Uh, um, in the area here. His name is Kevin. Um, I'm the worst with last names. I just met him. That's my only. That's my only. Uh, my only uh, saving grace with this. But his name is Kevin, and uh, he is the director of cultivation at the Humboldt Patients Resource Center in Arcata. And he actually has done uh, a study on his own. And I cannot quote it, but. Uh, on their website, they may even have it. But I would like to get that information from him, and he's probably going to be teaching at our school as well. So he's going to—he's got a wealth of information. Okay, because mm-hmm. we're—you know—there's been a, there's a lot of um, a lot of talk about what's going to happen to prices uh, soon. I mean, right, we've already seen prices drop, start dropping for the last two years pretty steadily now, and. Um, right. And we're, you know, so there's but, a, we read a RAND study last week that was talking about prices of marijuana going down to as low as $38 mm-hmm. per ounce. And um, we think that's a bit extreme. What do you imagine? That's ridiculous. What, yeah, that's what I think. I'm sorry. Too. That's what, ridiculous. What do you imagine is going to happen to prices if Prop 19 passes or even if it doesn't? You know, again, personal feelings here. I've been to so many dispensaries up and down the state here. I've also uh, just know this community. And the, the re- let's just call it retail. The retail price has not gone down. Right. Just the wholesale opinion. price. The retail price has not gone down. But the wholesale price is being beat down. Mm-hmm. Now, I say beat down because I know 
um, farmers here, and I know that it does not cost them any less. It costs them more every year to produce this product and this medicine. Every year it costs them more in labor. It costs them more in product. It costs them more in, in everything that, that, it, that it takes to produce this. It costs more because, this, because that's, how, that's how life is. So due to that fact, I have a knee-jerk reaction to people telling me or telling this community we need that we need to lower our prices. I believe they've already been lowered to the degree where these people still need to make a living, not a killing, but a living, and they need that respect to 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 get that to be provided. That they deserve it, they deserve it, and they need it. It's not just for the well-to-do for the for the guy that that figured out a way to um, to 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 sell cannabis legally to um, to make a, to make a killing. That is just it's just not. It's just not right. So when it comes to um, how much it costs um, to produce, I just know that uh, that the the retail price is done nothing but gone up, and there needs to be a this needs to be um, fair for everyone, not just for the few, but for the for the for the many. Yeah, the the gray area in the law has sort of created this situation, in my opinion, and um, Mm -hmm. it's where the brokers have started to really take advantage of the growers and are increasing their 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 profit margins on sales that they take Mm -hmm. when they purchase from growers and then sell to dispensaries, and they just you know their goal is to increase their profit margin. Um, and there is right. a myth. There's a myth that everyone that grows marijuana is just <laughs> bloody rich, and uh, it's not true, is it? <laughs> it's a it's a huge myth. It's it's like saying everyone in the United States is rich. Sure, okay? it is not that way. No, it is not that way. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. For first of all, mm-hmm. and second of all, the. <laughs> There's that. There's that. There's the few that make that give everybody a bad name, right? So the few that came in here and raped the land, don't have don't have uh, sustainable practices in mind, don't care about the wildlife, don't care about their carbon footprint. All they care about is driving a big fancy truck in a big fancy car and living, you know, in 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 in, in being out of the country for two months out of the year. That's it's such a small percentage, but it's a huge. It's a, it, it makes a huge impact in this in in this life here, and uh, the majority of people here are truly mom and pop, just making it through the day, and trying to raise their families and being kind to this earth and respectful to other um, to other uh, other other people and humans and and and, and creatures on this land. That is my experience of, of the majority here. Uh, absolutely. That's that's how I feel, too. And, um, you know, people that haven't visited the area or gotten to know people from this area uh, just may have a bit of a false viewpoint on on how we are. And those people do exist. They're, uh, one of my friend calls them bangers. The bangers, they ruin our reputation up here, you know, and, um, you know, it's true. I mean, we get diesel dumped into, you know, tributaries and into rivers and streams. And and none of that is that's obviously awful practices and and does give us a bad name. And um, right. It's terrible. Right. National national parks, national forests being uh, being um, um, opportunists coming in from out of the country. That's a huge thing around here. 
you know, it's 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 the uh, it's the 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 there's a there's just people from all over the world that are coming here to, to, that are opportunists that see an opportunity and they don't have the community self or or connection and they come here because they go you know what I can send a, a crew of people here drop them off in the middle of a national forest and they can just do what they want and there's too many guns and too much bad juju so you know there's bad people in every in every um in every industry in every aspect of life and uh you can choose to to buy into that and to live have that lifestyle and promote that or you can choose to be a better person be a be a a community minded person person that really wants to truly truly live in peace and make a difference and just I know I'm very kumbaya, but I am, I'm an idealistic person, and I believe that there's much more good in people than there is bad, and it's the bad that always, always, always sticks out. So I agree. I agree. <laughs> it's, that's, you know, yeah. unfortunately. And then, you know, the detractors want to prop them up as the image of, of mm-hmm. specifically the cannabis industry. And, and they are opportunists and, and, you know, it exists in all facets of life. Uh, but speaking of, absolutely of speaking of opportunity, do you see prop 19 as an opportunity for us? Do you believe prop 19 is the right bill for us to legalize cannabis through? Hmm. I can, I can say that I just, I just don't know. I really don't. I ha- my, my, my gut feeling is no. My gut feeling is no. But then, you know, one of our, um, I don't know if you've, you've heard of this woman. Her name is Ellen Comp. Ellen Comp is the deputy director of Cal Normal here in California. And she is uh, going to be teaching our law, history, and politics class in our foundation class. And, uh, she has written a an ordinance to to follow up if Prop 19 does pass, and I'm not really sure how how Prop 19 on its own is going to be the best thing. I have a feeling that because there's been a lot of money put into it by a group of people by uh, in in Oakland, well, one person in particular in Oakland. And uh, it would appear that it's set up to benefit the few, not the many. Mm-hmm. So how, how that's my fr- fear. From your reading, if you, from from your reading of the proposition, exactly where mm-hmm. do you feel like that language exists? Do you do you have well, a specific it, uh, yeah part that you don't like? Um, there's a lot that not necessarily I don't like. I just don't understand. I would like some clarification because it's very vague, which that's how I know how that, that's how things are a lot of times in the beginning when you don't know what you're, what you're trying to legislate. Sure. <laughs> um, but, uh, it, it appears that it is set up for, um, for certain people, entities to be able to um, benefit in a factory farm situation. Okay. But I cannot be quoted <laughs> when it comes to uh, to uh, Prop 19 because I would be the first to say that I am not 
the expert on 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 uh, on legislation and and moving forward with this. Um, but from what I've surmised, from I do a lot of listening and reading, and uh, it appears that from a humanitarian, strictly the fact that people are being imprisoned for the most benign thing, which would be either a a, 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 a soiled pipe, uh, a roach, one joint, uh, whatever they happen to have that is minuscule in the whole big picture of things, in my mind, they their lives are destroyed. They uh, financially absolutely destroyed. And that's on a good day. That's if you don't have to go to the federal jail, federal prison for 10 years, a minimum. So from that, from that standpoint, I am for legalization of cannabis for all. But I don't know if this is the right way to do it. And again, this is where we have an opportunity to now step up and, and teach people how to, how to teach legislators and, and how to, so we can all understand it. We can all be a part of the system, not just uh, the few. Or the ones with money. Sure, the legislature. From my my understanding of Prop 19, the legislators are going to be who play a huge part in how we regulate cannabis. If Prop 19 passes, just like most industries, right. um, most mm-hmm. industries voters don't decide how how um, something is regulated, and that's how the cannabis industry will be too. There'll be state guidelines, regu- regulations brought down from the state, and then lo- local mm-hmm. um, counties, cities will be able to further regulate it, and you may be able to see what you see going on in Oakland where they're saying, mm-hmm. we're going to have four dispensaries and we're going to have four large factory farms, and that's where all the cannabis for those four dispensaries is going to come from, period. There will mm-hmm. be no importing and no exporting. And um, mm-hmm. it's kind of a monopoly, if you, if you ask me. There's no other industry in the United States that operates like that. Um, you know, I mean, up here, right. up here in Humboldt, we've always, uh, been big on the buy local and teaching that, uh, buying local can actually be a benefit, not just a feature, but, uh, there's, you know, we're, we're also one of the largest cannabis exporters in the, in the world. We, we, um, move it all around the state and, and mm-hmm. all around the country too. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm kind of feeling like there's the, like what you're saying, there is the potential for an area to monopolize, um, the business, but at the same time, it seems very similar to almost any other industry, uh, where you could try to do, I mean, you could do that with tomatoes in Humboldt County if you wanted to, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. and yeah, you have a good point with that. Yeah. And it's about, um, we're now, um, people up, up here in, in Humboldt are, are, are very aggressively moving forward. And, and some people say we're, we're late, we're, we're late in the game, but you know, proactive, much, much rather be proactive than reactive. So, so we are actually, there's a big uh, push for, um, uh, for, marketing um the Humboldt name and using that as a marketing uh, ploy or marketing uh, uh tool and we should this uh we're this we're the only place that has this climate in the United States that is has this climate this this these microclimates that actually make this work here and make this the uh 
the um, the motherland or the you know you know to to what to what Napa is to winemaking in California and kind of the United States. Humboldt is or the Emerald Triangle, but at the very least, Humboldt is to medical cannabis or cannabis as a whole. And we need to move forward and and market that and and advertise that and 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 I just saw a it brings to mind this this one page, full page ad I saw in a Colorado dispensary medical marijuana magazine and it was a full page ad that had well it had a drawing of someone flipping California off, giving us the bird. And it said, F blank, 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 Cali weed. And I looked at that as, at first I had a knee-jerk reaction to, I'm in, oh, that hurts. Yeah. And then I went, wow, that's how good we are. <laughs> exactly. We're moved there. Colorado's <laughs> moving closer to producing the majority of their own marijuana, but they still export from California. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. Because they can, nowhere else can, has the climate that, that is conducive to this. Like Napa is to, 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 to winemaking. This is to, to cannabis. And you know what? If you're going to reproduce it, you're going to re- reproduce it in a, in, a, in, a, in a warehouse or a room. You're not going to reproduce it outside anywhere else but here. Yeah. So if you want the best medicine grown outdoor with love in the sun, then this is where you're going to get it. And this is where the best, the best product is. Yeah. We have the most experience, the most knowledge we can share with each other easier than anyone else in the world can. So Mm -hmm. I, I feel positive about Humboldt's role in a in a legalized cannabis market, I just know that there's going to be Me some too. fighting to do. We're going to have, I mean, you know, what they're doing in Oakland is probably not even constitutional. I don't know that they, if that stands <laughs> up to a, to a court, that they mm-hmm. can say, hey, yeah, we can monopolize our industry in this area and make sure that all the dollars mm-hmm. flow through four companies only. I'm not so sure that that's actually going to be able to withstand even California state courts. So, um, you know, I mean, we're going to have I'm some fighting to do about the regulations and about the taxes that they're going to put on marijuana once it's legal. But um, that's kind of, you know, those are the things that we it's this is, a is you know, it's been a fight for a long time. We can't just expect for this proposition to pass or not pass and the fight to end. It's going to continue. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, Rome was not built in a day. <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. Is there anything else you'd like to add at the end of this interview, Kelly? Anything you want to, you know, you'd like to hmm. plug or anything like that? Well, I just wish everybody good health, wellness in their life, and joy and happiness. And I really do uh, look forward to seeing everybody, as many people as uh, have uh, have a have a have a hankering to please, please. Come to Humboldt and come to our class, and I look forward to to meeting everyone personally. And um, check out the website and uh, keep the faith and let your conscience be your guide. Okay, all right, everybody. We were talking with uh, Kelly Dodd, the president of um, of Seven O Seven Cannabis College in Garberville, California. And you can check out their website www dot seven o seven cannabiscollege.com please give them a look and yeah visit humboldt everybody um thank you so much kelly we really really appreciate your time well bless your hearts thank you so much and uh best wishes to you all thank you and i look forward to, to speaking again
Absolutely. Thanks, Kelly. Thank you, guys. Um, all right, that was that was a, a great interview. Thanks so much for Kelly Dodds. Everybody, please wow. get on her website. Check out check out the college. Um, it's very interesting yes. stuff. What'd you think, Jamie? How'd that go? That was good. That was pretty. That was a lot more extensive than I anticipated. That was I was impressed. You know, she seems to be a wealth of information about these issues, which we we anticipated that much, but a very kind heart as well. So um, I don't yeah. think we necessarily expected that as much as you know we weren't focused on that part. But it was it was wonderful to speak with her. And uh, we appreciate her taking her time to do that for us. We'll we'll follow up with uh, their you know their uh, success and um, and and we'll talk with her again. I'm sure in the future. So good luck mm-hmm. to them. Um, hey, you know what? I should have asked her if she, if they have scholarships for guys like me. Right? You've got the time okay. if they've got the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you betcha. <laughs> I'm on a plane tomorrow. Nice, nice. Uh, what's up? We got a couple topics barely worth any of your time. We do. And here's one, you know, uh, I believe at the, at the intro of the show, we, uh, we referred to a, an email we got from a listener named Tim and he was asking us inquiring about cannabis use and how to get, you know, educated about it and slip into, you know, a better uh, sense of awareness about all these things that are cannabis related. And he did mention in that, in that email, uh, question about K2 and, uh, this uh, I have a little story here about that. It's actually from the New York Times and uh, Malcolm Gay of the New, uh, for the New York Times called Synthetic Marijuana Spurs State Bans. I'm just going to briefly touch through a few of the finer points of this. Um, on, on Tuesday of July 6th, Governor Jay Nixon, he's a Democratic governor from uh, Missouri, signed a bill prohibiting possession of K2. That's a substance known uh, popularly as K2. It's known as some other different things space i think there's a couple of other names for it various names but it's it's a blend of herbs treated with synthetic marijuana and uh first of all let me say that and i believe this is 100 percent accurate correct me if i'm wrong guys but all of us here at cannabis agenda uh or i should say none of us here um advocate in any way the use of k2 or any anything that's that's connected with cannabis that says synthetic in front of it um, so we're we're definitely by don't think by covering the story we have any kind of uh, uh, affinity toward this product whatsoever. And I personally, on a personal note, I would uh, I would suggest that you steer a little bit clear of this one. But uh, Missouri was the na- nation's eighth state this year to ban this substance. Um, it sent a lot of users to the emergency rooms, um, complaining of typical things that people proclaim of THC if they don't know what they're doing and over over uh, medicate or over titrate their dosage, um, included. Elevated heart rates, paranoia, stuff like that, vomiting, hallucinations. Um, investigators have blamed the drug on at least one death, um, unlike cannabis. Um, and uh, this month, Governor Mike Beebe of uh, Arkansas signed an emergency order banning the substance. Similar prohibitions are pending in at least six other states, including Illinois, Louisiana, uh, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, and Ohio, according to the National Conference of State Legislators. And uh, they're pretty... Uh, they're pretty uptight about this whole situation. Um, it's also known uh, K2. It's marketed as incense is how they're marketing this stuff. Um, besides K2, it's known as Spice, Demon, Genie. I think I've seen it listed as Space and some other things. Uh, it's sold openly in a lot of places, gas stations, head shops, of, of course, online. Um, it sells for as much as 40 bucks a gram. Um, it's, it's banned in a lot of European really? countries. Yeah. Wow. What's yeah. The, but no mention of what the THC content is of the stuff? Uh, well, it's actually not THC, first of all, but it's uh, it mimics the narcotic effect of tetrahydrocannabinol or THC, hmm. and uh, it's just 
it's really nasty. It's uh, it's actually from research grade chemicals that were created for therapeutic uh, research and testing, and uh, in a lab in Clemson University by a chemist named John Huffman, who was probably uh, vomiting regularly about this news. <laughs> I'm sure this is absolutely not what he intended when he created this substance. Um, unfortunately, because of the strict laws, uh, national laws, federal laws that prohibit uh, scientists, you know, credible researchers of of investigating and researching cannabis and its various constituents, they're forced to create stuff like this, and then inevitably it leaks out, and this is what you get. So, you know, it's not it's not a pleasant situation, but hey, I would blame uh, at least in, in large part the the federal government for for causing this to take place in the first in, in you know in the first place. So. That's what's going on with that. Um, back in the day, wasn't there some? Wasn't there like a legal weed way back in the day too? There was. There's they they have them on some of the um, the cannabis rags that you get, like uh, normal. I mean, not normal. High I'm Times. talking about High Times magazine and uh, cannabis culture. I think they outwardly said that they didn't. They were not going to carry them. I don't know if they still do that, but I know initially, and that was what. Part of what the many things that made me appreciate Mark Emery so much, he said, we're not putting that crap on here. We're advocating cannabis because we believe in it and we know the holistic qualities and we know the therapeutic benefits and we know all of these things that are positive about it. And we know the lack of negative or, or toxic effects it has. And we're not going to – that's – that's nonsense. High you know? Times makes... totally used to sell that crap, though. I remember like back yeah, when I was 15, it, 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 16 years old seeing that stuff. Yep. And... Man, they had pages of articles about that stuff, you know, or advertisements yeah. about that glossy, you know, and then they sold just tons of it. But I think, yes. you know, I mean, it's, it's, are you going to be an apologist? Are you going to say, I'm sorry that they're doing this, but they have, they might have a good reason because they're stuck in our capitalist uh, situation here where it's tough for a magazine to survive and they need to, you know, depend on advertising to keep rolling. And that's, that's a huge boom for advertising revenue. So I don't know how you want to look at that. I mean, I'm not uh -huh. saying that anything that negative about, you know, high times or that. Right. Crowd. Mark Emery had seeds to back up the cannabis culture. So it's a little, he different, certainly right? did. Yeah. 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 So write, write Mark Emery a letter. If you get a chance, go to cannabis culture, you get all that info about him and write him a letter and say, Hey man, this is what I've been doing today. Cause he's stuck in the, in the, in the, uh, SeaTac. We need to check up on him. He might. He was in the hole for a second, wasn't he? And then they put him in the hole. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. They let him out, and uh, uh, we'll probably report on that next show a little bit more. Cool. Let's check up on Mark. Yep. Uh, additionally, um, uh, in celebrity news, Paris Hilton was caught. Well, you know what? Who cares about her? Let's <laughs> just uh, let's just move on to the next thing. Um, something that's actually more important or <laughs> remotely important at all um, in comparison. Um, I think we're going to go to the state of Oregon. There's a lot going on in the land of green. Um, we've got several uh, several different things to mention here. First of all, um, Oregon met, the Oregon initiative has fell short, and I don't know if we reported this yet. So I wanted to make sure. And if there's a redundancy, I apologize, but I know there's some people that probably aren't aware of this, and they were hopeful that Oregon would uh, pass this. I'm sure most Oregonians that cared about this initiative are are, are fully in the know. But for the rest of us, uh, this is from the Drug War Chronicle um, on uh, July 9th. Um, in Oregon, that cannabis, the Oregon Cannabis Tax Act was sponsored by Oregon Normal and uh, medical marijuana entrepreneur Paul Stanford. It did, 
it did not come close. Uh, it needed about 100,000 signatures, and it only had about 12,000 at the latest report. Um, I don't really know why this fell so short. The support is absolutely there, but I don't really know what's going on. And the message to supporters in the first week of July, Stanford said, I quote, unfortunately, the Oregon Cannabis Tax Act initiative, initiative petition campaign in Oregon has fallen well short of qualifying for a vote this year. To all of you who gather signatures, donated your hard-earned money, or supported OCTA 2010 in any way, we thank you for your support. We're considering how to proceed in the future. If you have any ideas or concerns, please let us know. End quote. So, so that's unfortunate this time, but you know that's the tenacity that will speak to the tenacity of, of medical cannabis uh, um, backers. You know, we we're it's not going to go away. We're not going to give up. And uh, I believe this actually wasn't a medical ordinance. They have a medical ordinance stuff there. This was for uh, um, an outright kind of similar to the Prop 19. That would be their their version in a way. Um, but you know, it'll continue. It'll keep going. Um, if Prop 19 is fortunate enough to get passed into law, then, you know, I'm sure that will be a boon for their uh, support of their future initiatives. There was an all, there was also one we covered a uh, sensible, was it sensible Washington, something like that. But, uh, you know, that, that one didn't go either. They fell short on signatures as well. So, you know, we don't win them all. But they'll and, get all these, all these states that do voter, voter initiatives um, and are medical right. states, I would imagine will have outright legalization on their ballot at some point in the near future. You bet. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it's just going to um, fall just like, just kind of like the medical cannabis things worked out. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Got a couple more stories from Oregon. Additionally, um, this is from the Associated Press and the KDRV uh, News um, out of Oregon. Um, initiative Petition 28 um, is definitely going to be on the ballot. I think we have a clip that will explain this a little bit more. Is that correct? Yeah, we sure do. You ready to play that? Yeah, can we go ahead and run that one? Sure. Medical marijuana could soon get easier to get. Today, Oregon Secretary of State says there are enough signatures to get Initiative 28 on November's ballot. Newswatch 12's Kaylin Kroshevsky has more on what that means for people in Southern Oregon. Initiative 28's main goal is to allow dispensaries to open up and serve those with a medical marijuana prescription. They're tired of the black market schemes. They're tired of taking on the general role of the public of being bad-natured. Lee Jones has been working with Southern Oregon Normal on getting signatures for the initiative and isn't surprised they collected enough to be considered for the ballot. He says that if people take the time to read the initiative, they can get a better grasp on why it is so important. We'll be able to walk into a facility, be facilitated, be instructed, and shown the proper ways and use of medication. And says medical marijuana dispensaries are just like a pharmacy. There'll be a consultant there to help you make the choice with the right medication and the right consumption rate. But not everyone agrees with Jones. Alexandra Gutshaw is a mother of two boys and she is skeptical of the initiative. There's going to be probably an increase in people needing medical marijuana. And hopes if it does make it on the ballot, it will not pass. But it's just, it's more accessible to the teenagers. They can get a friend just like they would for a liquor store. I mean, I don't agree with it at all. It shouldn't be allowed. Although the Secretary of State has verified that Initiative 28 does have enough signatures to be on the November 2nd ballot, those results will not be official until August 1st. In Medford, Kaylin Kroshevsky, Newswatch 12. Dispensaries. Mm-hmm. Yay, they're on the way. From, yeah. the hazy, from the hazy town of Medford. I think they voted down dispensaries in Oregon uh, several years ago, actually. So they've tried this before. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty yep. sure. 
I think it's uh, I think it's got a, a very, very uh, strong chance, a high potential for passing this time. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that for sure. Um, additionally, um, in Oregon, this comes up with the, the question mark of the day. I'm not really sure what to make of this one. Medical marijuana is not limited to residents. Um, this is from Peter Wong in the Statesman Journal um, out, of, out of Salem, Oregon. Rules had required card applicants to show proof of their Oregon residency. Obtaining an Oregon medical marijuana card no longer will be limited to Oregon residents. Current administrative rules require applicants to show Oregon identification and proof of residency. But as part of a review of otherwise routine changes proposed in the rules, the Department of Justice has advised the Department of Human Services that the 1998 law authorizing medical marijuana is not limited to residents. Temporary rules will allow the program to accept a driver's license, government-issued identification card, U.S. passport, or military ID. The other rules, rules changes, including what's considered acceptable documentation, will be held at 11 a.m. July 30th in Conference Room 1A at the State Office Building, 800 Northeast Oregon Street in Portland. As of April, there were 36,380 cardholders in, in Oregon. A card authorizes a patient or a designated caregiver to show, to grow a specified information or amount of, of marijuana. Apologize for the little tongue twisters there. And possess it for medical use. Doctors must approve the underlying conditions specified in the law for which medical use is sought, blah, blah, blah. The state does not furnish the names of physicians or supply medical cannabis, although a potential ballot that we just spoke about should, uh, would allow the state to license dispensaries. So um, I'm, I'm not really sure what to make of this. Do you guys know more about this at all? Um, uh, I guess what they're saying is, is you can have a, uh, you can have medical cannabis in Oregon. So like someone, if they spend, you know, any significant time in Oregon, they can get a card or get, you know, get a recommendation in Oregon and then they can't be persecuted for possessing cannabis. Without having a, a, a formal residency set up. Right. Now you don't have to live okay. there. You just have to have probably some form of government ID, regardless of what state mm -hmm. it is. No proof of residency. I guess that's what they're moving to. But what I don't understand is, okay, so I guess that makes sense. If you're traveling to Oregon and you're mm -hmm. in a non-medical state already, so you you know you use marijuana illegally in your state already and then you come to Oregon and you're doing an RV trip and you're going to be in Oregon for two months and mm -hmm. you want to you know you want to use cannabis the whole time then you can you know go and get a card and not have to worry about getting busted up in your RV while you're on your trip I guess is is mm -hmm. the idea behind it but what I don't understand is is what if you are in a medical state say you're in Michigan which Michigan allows people to come into their state with uh, medical recommendations from other states and use cannabis. So I could travel through Michigan, and if a cop pulled me over and wanted to harass me for cannabis, I could show them my California 215, and then that would hold up in court. So I don't understand why they don't add that in, too, in Oregon. If, uh, if you're from another medical state and you have a recommendation, then they can just, you know, verify that. So... Okay. Well, it, it, Oregon, I mean, certainly not all the time by any means, but uh, they've been known to do things that just make sense a lot of the time. So maybe that's, maybe that's the case again. I hope so. We'll see.
Yeah, benefit the people. Um, let me see here. What do we got left? Oh, yeah, this is some very good news, some bright news. We're having another party. Normal is upcoming Just Say Now National Conference is taking place in Portland, Oregon. And uh, you can check this out on the normal website. Um, it should be pretty easy. I think you just scroll down a little bit, and it's like the second story on their front page of the normal website. Uh, that's uh, www.norml.org. And uh, you can check this out more um, there. I'll read a few of the highlights. This is from Alan St. Pierre, the executive director there at Normal. The National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws invites you and your like-minded friends and family members to attend the organization's 39th annual national conference in beautiful, cannabis-tolerant, and hemp-friendly Portland, Oregon, Thursday, September 9th through Saturday, September 11th. The National Normal Conference is America's largest and oldest gathering of cannabis law reform activists. With the call to legalize cannabis growing stronger and louder every year in America, this year's apropos conference title and theme is Just Say Now, with a big exclamation point. I want a T-shirt that says that. Um, like all previous normal conferences, leading cannabis law reform activists, elected policymakers, lawyers, doctors, medical researchers, business leaders, and educators will deliver speeches, papers, and presentations regarding numerous aspects of cannabis. Um, it looks to be another sellout. So please, uh, Alan St. Pierre um, states in here that um, he urges you, please do not delay registering for the conference if you're interested in attending. Um, you can go online and do that on their site, or you can call a toll-free number at 888-67-NORMAL. And make sure you do that soon if you're interested, because they've already booked their initial block of rooms, and they've got some overflow and another like uh, block that they've uh, secured, but that's, it's going fast too. So I don't know if they'll be able to get another one. So make sure if you're interested, you get all of that. Um, the Jack Herrera Memorial Expo Hall and Conference sponsorships are available. Um, vending tables and unique conference sponsorship packages are available. Check out the information online at Normal site as well. You can call the uh, toll-free number that we mentioned there, and uh, you can email normal2010 at normal.org for more details as well. Um, previous Normal conferences have been sponsored by physicians, lawyers, accountants, cultivation experts, medical cannabis wellness centers, and delivery services, insurance companies specializing in medical cannabis, cannabis education centers, and colleges like the one we, we've uh, featured today, medical delivery device makers, hemp and clothing retailers, as well as pro-reform organizations. The, the Also of note, the, the Northwest Music Festival will be going on when, when, when they're in town for that. So that's pretty cool. Um, he says that September 9-11 uh, is a most precipitous or propitious uh, weekend to convene a normal conference in Portland. It's a city with a great nightlife. And that Northwest Music Festival here is just fantastic. Uh, amazing local microbrews and wines are there. It's a great place. If you haven't been to Portland, man, it's worth going there just for a trip. Um, speaking of scenery and local color, he says September 11 and 12, Oregon's largest pro-cannabis event, Hempstock, is also happening at a nearby state park on a large lawn uh, surrounded by 100-foot-tall evergreens at the confluence of two mighty northwest rivers. It's a little poetic here, uh, Mr. St. Pierre, but that's cool. Uh, creating a loving, a lovely setting for a large pro-cannabis festival and celebration. It sells, he, sell, he sold me. I'm, I'm ready to go right now. Uh, they're going to feature, uh, feature speakers, music, vendors, food, crafts, and all of that. Um, so, you know, all the out-of-town guests may want to stay uh, an extra day to attend Hemstock. I think that would certainly be uh, worth we're sticking around. And if you're worried about the cost of renting a car or getting around Portland, parking and gas prices and so forth, don't, don't worry about that because it's one, it's one of the U.S. cities that uh, is very sensible about their transportation. Um, a, ca a car is absolutely not necessary 
Um, it's the antithesis of LA um, in that aspect, um, in that regard, from the airport to the hotel, uh, to around the town, around town events, uh, Portland's trans transit system removes much of those concerns and the cost as well. So check that out. For more information, go to Normal's website. And that's the news from Oregon. A lot of stuff happening. Lots, lots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love, I love you, Oregon. You gonna I move there? You gonna move I to Eugene? I didn't hear any response from Oregonians. There, yet, there, yes. there are no Oregonians in the studio audience today. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. Next time. Next yeah. time. I'll bring I'll bring some friends down from Eugene or something. That'll be cool. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh Rocky Mountain High. Got a little Colorado news today. Um marijuana advocates cheer the DEA uh DEA agents exit from the state. This one is from uh cannabisnews.org. Excellent source for information. I encourage everybody to check that site out as well. Um, from Colorado, marijuana legalization advocates cheered the upcoming departure of federal agent Jeffrey D. Sweeten because they said they believe his views are not in line with the will of Colorado voters, voters who legalized the drug for medicinal purposes. The outspoken special agent in charge of Denver's Drug Enforcement Administration understands that he became the face of anti-legalization in Colorado, but says his exit does not mean the fight over marijuana is over. He says, and I quote, the person who takes my place is going to have the same mission I have, a uh, professional a-hole. Oh, he didn't put that in there, but uh, <laughs> that's uh, just to clarify that. That's, that's uh, Yeah, peace that's out, homie. Said. Don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way right. out. Uh, DEA agents are sworn to uphold the Constitution and marijuana remains illegal under federal law, he said. Sweden was promoted to run the DEA training center in Quantico, Virginia. So, you know, it's not like he's going to go was, away. He's, he was he's promoted, gonna, huh? You betcha. And we'll provide international support in places such as Afghanistan. Um, you know, I guess they want to help guide the, the the heroin trade so they can keep making some bucks off that. But I don't know. That's alleged stuff. I have no idea if that's true. Of course it's not. It's our government. They wouldn't do that. The new assignment begins uh, in September and probably not a moment too soon for Coloradans. Um, Sweeten was widely panned by medical marijuana proponents during his eight-year tenure. The criticism heightened after Chris Barkowitz, uh, Highlands Ranch resident, who was growing medical cannabis plants in his basement, was arrested after showing his operation in a television interview. We covered Mr. Barkowitz on our show a couple times. Um, the DEA maintains that Barkowitz was arrested because he was selling more plants than he had patients, and his grow operation was within 1,000 foot feet of an elementary school. It probably had something to do with the fact that he said, man, what did he do? Remember that? What did he, he made said, some kind of like going to make over $400,000 this year. I'm rocking. It's like he said, I'm a rock star. I'm a cannabis rock star. Yeah. Life so, is man. great. I'm going to make over $400,000 this year in my basement. Yikes. Dude, been Whoops. smoking too much, dude. Come on. And the next thing you hear, right? <laughs> Hello? DA, here. Listen, we have a warrant. You went on the news and told us everything that you're doing. <laughs> yeah, hey, jackass. You, you know, <laughs> we have a taped confession. <laughs> yeah. Sweden points out that the DA is not raiding dispensaries that have boomed throughout the state. He believes marijuana proponents use the arrest as a way to build hysteria. He said, and I quote, it's a, it's a difficult societal issue that can't be broken down into sound bites. He says, it's going to continue to be a challenge for Colorado. Mason DeVert, campaign director of Safer, a marijuana the advocacy man. Group, that we are, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely have him on here. I promise you, you folks, uh, sometime this year, I, we will get him on here. Um, whatever it takes, I'll make it happen. I better now that I promised it online. You right? totally uh, just promised. I'm, like, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm holding you to that. Rock, definitely do that. Me, 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 to me as well. Uh, 
He says he's glad that Sweden is leaving, but agrees that his moving on won't change the DEA's mission. Um, Tavert says, and I quote, one disingenuous anti-marijuana zealot is just the same as another one. And I would expect that his replacement would be just as adamant about going after marijuana, regardless of, the, if, of whether the substance is safer than alcohol. And I would agree with that. And that's probably the likely way it goes. You know, they're, they're glad that this, you know, jackhole is gone. But you know what? They're just going to get a, a big replacement, an a-hole replacement guy. And, they, you know, it's kind of like drug kingpin guys. They knock one off and, like, one or two or five take his place. It's the same way with these jerks, you know. You get rid of one of them, and then they just get, you know, they polish off one or two other ones and send them out there. And So, you know, it's an ongoing thing. I don't think I would get too uh, encouraged about that. But, you know, since they have such a kind of crappy relationship with this individual, I'm sure Coloradoans, uh, they're pretty uh, relieved that he's, on his way out the door. What did you say? Don't let the door hit you in the ass. On your way out, dude. Peace out. In, in your federal keister. Yeah. Yep. Take that. Yeah. Take right that. On. Take your take your raise and move to Virginia. Oh huh. man. Uh, uh, I don't really have much to say. I don't want to egg on the DEA. So sure, sure. <laughs> I don't either. We love you guys. Keep up the great work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you guys get my Christmas card, by the way? Anyway, um, <laughs> this next, uh, would you remember that old commercial with the old lady in it? And she goes, where's the beef? Remember that? It was yeah, a Wendy's. Wendy's. Yeah. It was hilarious. Where's yeah, the well, beef? Well, residents, uh, medical, uh, marijuana, uh, patients in New Jer- New Mexico rather are, are saying, where's the weed, you know, because astonishingly there's a shortage of medical cannabis in the state. Um, this from, uh, Sue Major Holmes from the Associated Press in Albuquerque, out of Albuquerque, New Mexico. Len Golden can't grow enough marijuana to keep up with demand. He's just one of 11 growers approved by New Mexico to produce pot for all of the state's 2,000 registered medical marijuana patients, and his customers routinely wipe out his supply. Once a strain of marijuana is harvested, dried, and cured, he sends an announcement that patients can place orders, and the pot usually goes within 24 hours. New Mexico has been so cautious in licensing, licensing and regulating growers under its three-year-old medical marijuana law that the small number of providers can't grow enough, creating a, a shortage that has forced some patients to the street to buy illegal drugs. Ooh, dun, 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 dun. Illegal the, drugs. Yeah, with a highly sophisticated plan in mind. Oh my the God. dilemma... The dilemma in New Mexico could have ramifications elsewhere because the state's program has been held up as a national model with other states looking to replicate its strong regulatory structure to avoid the chaos that's prevailed in such places like, ding, 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 you guessed it, California. Prospective pot growers are subjected to a painstaking screening process before being granted a license. That sounds great for somebody that's in nasty, like intractable pain or some kind of of horrible, like ailment that affects their life, you know, and then they have to go through a painstaking screening process. Thank you. Thank you, state of New Mexico. Once that happens, they're limited to 95 plants and seedlings and an an inventory, um, quote them, they say that reflects current qualified patient needs. So I guess, I don't know, that kind of justifies some of the painstaking process. You get to the other side, you get to have 95 plants. That's a, you know, if you feel bad, guys, from New Mexico, just take a look at Illinois' pending legislation, and uh, I'm sure that'll cheer you right up. The providers' identities and locations are kept secret, avoiding the kind of storefront dispensaries that have flourished in Colorado and California. 
Um, State's Health Secretary, Dr. Alfredo Vigil, says he must balance patients' needs against preventing so much illegal pot that uh, from being grown that it ends up in the illegal market. He said the program is being expanded meth- meth- methodically. Whew, we're having some trouble with some words today uh, to ensure sufficient oversight and to get no uh, to get to know producers and how they operate. So I I, I can understand and I, I empathize with their state for wanting to be careful and gauge this. But there's a there's a you know there's a thing such a thing as uh, being a little overzealous in your protectiveness and be a little overprotective about things. So hopefully they can uh, lubricate this process just a little bit and make some kind of a find a happy medium where they're still being careful and they're still being uh, objective about what they're what they're doing and where they're going. But they can move this thing along because it's really is not about legislators or votes. Or, or any of that other nonsense. It certainly, it's not about people becoming rock star, millionaire, pot growers. This is about people that need the relief, and that's what the law is there for. So keep that in mind, everybody involved in this, because people are waiting on you, and they need your help. Hook up the Where's weed. The weed? Yeah. Where's the weed? I wish I could have that old lady doing that. That would be funny. This is kind of weed. It's kind of like the. I mean, you know what happened in Montana? That story we were talking about last week, where they were, you know, mm-hmm. the, the newspaper and and the police were complaining about the fact that weeds being exported, you know, imported there from California. Well, what do you expect you know. if you don't create yeah. a system to where you can, you know, Smart. grow your own? Then it's, <laughs> but you have medical cannabis or. You know, people that want cannabis in general, it's gonna come from other places. And in New yeah. Mexico, one of my guesses would be is a, I bet a grip of it and crappy stuff comes from Mexico. So, oh yeah, especially know. being a bordering state. I mean, they just kind of hop right on over there. Do you want some weed? Hold on, just a minute. Bing, here you go. Yeah, this a- is this is gnarly. Don't mind the cough and hack and you know other problems you get from this. Right. Your eyes will stop burning eventually, so don't worry about that either. Yuck. Oh. It'll it'll taste like shit, but hey, it's cheap, uh, right? It, talking about tasting like shit, I mean, I'm sure that, that they get some of that in New Mexico, but we know they get that in the Midwest. What's going on there? They do for sure. Representatives, okay, now now I should know this better, and I apologize for not knowing how to pre- uh, pronounce the gentleman's name, and out of uh, out of a sense of... Um, I don't think decorum is accurate, but, you know, at least a, a respectfulness to this person, um, regardless of his views. Um, I want to pronounce his name right, but it's, he's an Illinois representative, Jim Sacia, I believe his name is. It's S-A-C-I-A. So if I did pronounce that wrong, I apologize. But this was from the Journal Standard. He, uh, he got in there. I thought this was definitely worthy of mentioning, um, especially for residents of Illinois, but certainly uh, nationwide. This affects us all because this is typical uh, talking points and typical uneducated and, and uh uneducated banter and uh, kind of negative sentiment that lacks any sort of depth in knowledge. So um, I'll, I'll just go through this really quick. It's not a very big uh, piece that he wrote. And this is, this is uh, Representative Jim Satia speaking. Um, I tell you often, I'm the eternal optimist. We can fix this thing. I regret to admit that at times that gets me down. He, uh, he, see, he uses that a lot in his campaign. I'm the eternal optimist. I can fix this. We can fix this. We'll get through it. Um, Maybe just a minute or two, then I pick myself up, brush off my britches, and try to solve the problem. (laughs) 30 years in law enforcement and legalizing medical marijuana in Illinois just don't go together. I've seen too many good lives ruined. It needs just 60 votes to pass the House, and I'm told that supporters have more than 50. Damn close to 60, if not there already, by the way. Um, 
In Illinois, the legislation to legalize medical marijuana is Senate Bill 1381, sponsored in the House by my friend Lou Lang, Democrat from Skokie. I recently heard Lou on WBBM radio in Chicago referring to those of us in opposition as being of, quote, Neanderthal mentality, end quote. Okay, Lou, I can take the shot. I'm a Neanderthal, but I'm in good company. The bill is opposed by Illinois Chiefs of Police, Illinois Sheriff's Association, Illinois Family Institute, the Illinois Police Association, Concerned Christian Americans, and many other groups and organizations. On May 5th, 2010, the Illinois State Police changed their opposition to neutral. If I live to be 100, I'll never be convinced that they went neutral without coaxing from the governor's office. You know of my profound respect for the uh, Illinois State Police, but this is a good dose of politics in action. Smoked marijuana can never be approved as a medical treatment for any illness because it is an unstable mixture of more than 400 chemicals, many of which are toxic and include several known cancer-causing chemicals. Claims otherwise have been proven to be fraudulent, and American patients are protected from such medical claims by a century-old medical process that, that requires all approved medicines to be judged safe and effective by the U.S. Food and Drug Administra- Administration, FDA. So says Robert DuPont, M.D., Let me say that again. So says Robert L. DuPont, MD, the president of the Institute for Behavioral uh, Behavior and Health Incorporated and the first director of the National Institute on Drug Abuse, known as NIDA. Oh, but then again, as I shared last week, Illinois legislators are far smarter smarter than agencies such as the FDA uh, and, and, well, that's it, such as the FDA. Uh, Medical marijuana is a cruel hoax. Supporters oppose the use of purified chemical components of marijuana smoke and insist on smoked dope or nothing. That should be the first clue that this is nothing but a sham. You can't deliver medicine safely by smoking it. Marijuana potency is nearly three times more than it was in 1983, and when it's smoked, its potency is uncontrolled. In 2006, there were 33,854 admissions to treatment centers here in Illinois for cannabis addiction, and there is little doubt that marijuana is a gateway drug to cocaine and heroin. Many have emailed me that I better support this, quote, or else. Not only will I not support it, I will speak passionately against it. Well, sir, uh, in response to this, I have to say, speak as passionately, as passionately as you would like to, but void any sensibility or honest fact. Uh, I think that um, the lack of credibility uh, bodes uh, pretty much in favor of those opposing this, um, this, these, these statements. In fact, um, he is, this is a laundry list of typical uh, talking points. Definitely. Very typical. Very. And, and it, it's not only biased in that way, but a lot of them are just blatantly, blatantly wrong. I mean, uh, the Robert DuPont uh, MD quote, he's, a, he's an MD for goodness sake. He should know better than this. You know, uh, let me see. He also went for the argument from authority from the cops. Uh, yeah, the cops. He did like getting paid to chase people right. around smoking weed. So they're yep. going to oppose losing money. Um, that's a prime point. And that's so, I'm so glad you pointed that out to us because, you know, this is a, an excellent example, which is part of the reason I included a story in here. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, this is a prime example of, of why it's important to vet your information carefully and make sure you you check it out and vet it out carefully. Um, this, if you'll notice this, you have to read into it and you have to read in between the lines to find the actually in these kind of things. Illinois Chiefs of Police, 
the Illinois Sheriff's Association and the rest of that list all have a very solid vested interest in making sure that cannabis stays illegal. So this is not based just on an unbiased or unpassionate or detached sort of uh, observation or honest objective assessment of the situation. This is based on their pre-existing uh, very, very strong vested interest in keeping things, uh, keeping these things illegal and forwarding their, uh, their own personal uh, politics. So, I found a little gem of BS in there, too. Yeah? Which yeah, one? Uh, which, which? In 2006, there were 33,854 admissions to treatment centers in Illinois for marijuana addiction. They were right. from the cops. But those right? are all court-ordered marijuana. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're not treat, put, putting themselves into treatment centers I saying, need I help. need help. Right. They're, getting, they're saying, if I get I another charge on me, I'm going to be screwed. I'm going to lose my job. My I'd life's ra- going to be upended. Bogus. I'll just go, yeah, dude. I'll or it's just part of the plea bargain. I'd rather they... not go to jail. Yeah. So that's right. I'll go to right. rehab. No, These are all BS. This is all BS. And then they yeah. use the FDA yeah. wedge there, too. You know, the it's not yeah. an FDA approved drug. Is that Was that the quote from the doctor you were talking about? Um, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is from Robert DuPont. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all everything that you can do for yourself the guy, in this world. The guys that were uh, the DuPonts that were, that were for it before they were against it. So check this out. Anyway, it's in the Journal Standard, uh, Freeport, Illinois uh, newspaper, the Journal Standard. Uh, just search. It's, it's the, the title was At the Capitol, Just Say No to Medical Marijuana. And uh, take a look at that and check out those talking points because they'll no matter what state you're from, because you're going to hear them from your state as well, I promise you. And be aware, be ready, uh, prepared to objectively um, counter those. With yeah, some, and check out the know. book Safer. It's on our, our book list on the web, on uh, canvasagenda.com. Uh, in that book, they lay out very, very thoroughly how to discuss all these points in, with, uh, in an intelligent manner and how to negate mm-hmm. those points. So. Um, Absolutely. Be careful. You got to stand up or they'll run right over you. Yep. They will. Speaking of which, the feds will run over you too. You bet. Do you like my seg there? This this yeah. segs right into the next story. Yeah. Unfortunately, it does. But uh, uh, policing for profit, the abuse of civil asset forfeiture, uh, an amazing um, project that's been worked on by the um, Institute for Justice. Um, this from Dr. Uh, PhDs, Marion Williams, Jefferson Holcomb, and Tomislav Kavanz. Kavanzik. Okie doke. Kavanzik. Kavanzik. Yes. Yeah, they like to to kill me with these names. I mean, I thought that Hawaii story was going to kill me. In retrospect, I should have said a bunch of people got kept by the court. (laughs) So I'm learning my lesson slowly. It's organic, right? This is organic. Yeah, but check this out. This is a very serious issue, actually. I don't need to detract from it at all because um, you you might have known about – criminal forfeiture laws that are there. Well, there's also civil asset forfeiture as well. And they can actually, that's not only they can, and this is not an instance where, you know, this can happen technically, but it never does. Uh, nonsense. This happens uh, far too frequently. And there's incentive and there's drive to push to make this happen more. And the incentive is money and property that they get from you. Um, what can happen, and uh, actually you can go to the Institute for Justice and check this out some more. I think we should be, uh, probably will have that uh, in that link included um, underneath the, this this podcast whenever we post it. But uh, civil forfeiture laws, uh, this is from their website. It says, civil forfeiture laws represent one of the most serious assaults on private property rights in the nation today. Under civil forfeiture, police and prosecutors can seize your car or other property, sell it, and use the proceeds, proceeds to fund agency budgets, all without so much as charging you with a crime. 
Unlike criminal forfeiture, where property is taken after its owner has been found guilty in a court of law, with civil forfeiture, owners need not be charged with or convicted of a crime to lose homes, cars, cash, or other property. So this is pretty, this is pretty serious. Um, Americans are supposed to be innocent until proven guilty, the website says. But civil forfeiture turns that principle on its head. With civil forfeiture, your property is guilty until you prove it innocent. And I think we might have a – do we have a clip for this one? Sure do. Can we run this? This is actually – you can find this on YouTube. You go to their site. You go to the link that we'll have for the story, and it has this uh, clip on there. It has this story on there. It has the clip, and it also has a link to uh, their – their report. They did a very in-depth report, and uh, only like a, a few states got anything like a B or higher on their on their grading. So check this out, and it's pretty informative stuff. If police suspect that you committed a crime, they can arrest you and put you on trial. At that trial, prosecutors must prove you are guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. But if police suspect your car was involved in a crime, they can take it, sell it, and in most places, pocket the proceeds to pad their budgets. They need not prove you committed any crime or even arrest you to take your property away. Welcome to the upside-down world of civil asset forfeiture. With civil forfeiture, your property is guilty until you prove it innocent to get it back. And because most state and federal laws allow police and prosecutors to pocket the proceeds, they have a big incentive to pursue profits, not justice. How big? In 1986, the Justice Department's forfeiture fund took in $94 million. Now, it has more than a billion. State and local agencies receive forfeiture funds too. But we don't know how much because most states don't publicly report on forfeiture. No surprise, abuse is rampant. One New York police department spent forfeiture funds on food, gifts, and entertainment. In Georgia, forfeiture funds paid for football tickets for a DA's office. And a DA in Texas used forfeiture dollars to buy TV ads for his re-election campaign. Meanwhile, citizens are seeing cash, cars, and other property taken away for the flimsiest of reasons. Carrying too much cash? Police can accuse you of selling drugs or laundering money and seize it. No conviction or even arrest required. An Institute for Justice study grades state laws on how well they protect people from wrongful forfeitures. Only three states receive a B or better. The rest range from mediocre to awful, and so does federal law. Worse, a federal legal loophole allows police and prosecutors to bypass state protections and keep pocketing forfeiture money. IJ's research shows that the easier and more profitable these laws make forfeiture, the more it is used and abused. It's time to end civil forfeiture. People shouldn't have their property taken away without being convicted of a crime, and law enforcement shouldn't be policing for profit. That's some terrible background music they've got going on. Yeah, <laughs> it's not exactly snappy. What was stuff. that all about? God, yeah. yeah. It made the message yeah. a little uh, a little garbled. No, I mean, not completely garbled. Yeah. That Policing for profit seems about seems worse than, I mean, well, they're both bad, but private penitentiaries, yeah. same sort of stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, so they can suspect that your car was used to do a deal in and then take your car 
Yeah, you can uh, you can learn more about these things. Um, that report is pretty extensive. It's pretty decent too. It's and it's it's also free. It's uh, free on that link that you'll have there. I, additionally, I put it on our. Um, we did a we have a book list running. As we speak about books, we'll list them on our website under the books tab. And uh, below the books that are on there, I put a supplementary list of things that aren't necessarily books. And this is one of them I just added. So you can get directly to the PDF uh, via that link as well. And I encourage you to check it out and educate yourself a little bit more about this this how this is going i mean this is pretty recent stuff this is about a month or two old this uh when this came out so i mean it's it's accurate up-to-date stuff and uh additionally you can check out the cato institute um their site cato i don't know what their website is but it's pretty easy to find uh c-a-t-o cato institute um they have a policy forum that's on there that has some professionals some pretty uh credible people on there speaking uh indefinitely about this for a little over an hour long i think it is so you can check that out they also have a shorter uh daily podcast feature it's like eight minutes long that's on there that speaks about this more indefinitely as well so there's a lot of ways to learn more about it and i encourage people to do that and uh you know you can't know to oppose these type of things if you don't realize that it's going on. But uh, yeah, that's pretty nasty. I mean, whew, it's, it's, they're looting the castle. And, yeah. uh, and in this case, the castle is, is our individual property that we're supposed to be protected in, you know, and we're supposed to be protected as Americans of having our stuff, you know, as, as long as we're not, uh, for, we didn't forfeit that right through, you know, committing a crime, which is a different argument, you know, entirely, but yeah, it's uh Serious stuff. So check it out, and it'll, it'll at minimum, I promise, it'll be interesting stuff to read if it doesn't make your blood boil a bit. Um, additionally, from the Fed, um, this is an interesting story I came up across. Uh, this is on a, a website called PoliticallyIllustrated.com. I think I, you know, I, Google News is my is my homepage, so that's how I end up with all these weird, diverse things. <laughs> but uh, this is interesting. It stuck out. It stood out to me because it says the, the title of the article, and this is by uh, Tina. Darn, they did it. They got me again. It's D-U-P-U-Y. What would that be? Dupoy? Dupi. Anyway, Dupi. Tina Dupi. Anyway, pardon me, uh, Tina, if we do, if we mentioned that wrong. But uh, uh, it's it, the article's titled, Those Cannabis Enthusiasts Seek to Pay Government Taxes. Americans hate taxes. It's not a right or a left issue. It's not a Democratic or Republican issue. It's not an old or a young issue. It's strangely not even a rich or poor issue. It's an American issue. It's our biggest peeve. We all agree on some level, our country is great, but we feel very cranky about forking over our money to the government. It's a really odd character trait in Americans. Um, they said, for, she says, for example, we happily pay for cable, even though television's free. We clearly have no problem signing up for more bills. We have huge uh, cell phone bills and so forth. The average American credit card debt is around $10,000 and the average APR is 14%. We clearly have no problem doling out loads of cash without, with nothing to show for it. But um, said we don't even pay out that much of our income to the government when compared with other industrialized nations, an average family with children pays about 20% of their income to taxes. For singles, it's like 37%. Belgians, for example, pay close to 55%. Um, it, it does neglect to say in the story that they get a hell of a lot more for their 55%, though. <laughs> you know, a lot of the things that we don't get with our 37%. But um, she goes on to say, uh, but Americans hate taxes. We always have. We hate even the idea of them. We want to believe freedom and taxes absolutely contradict one another, like improv and comedy. Other colonies of Great Britain, like uh, Canada and Australia, simply asked for their independence, but not us. Americans were so outraged about the king's raising taxes, we started a costly and bloody revolutionary war lasting nearly a decade. Yes, it all started with a tax hike. No more taxes is the original American battle cry. 
In a way, our country's birthed with a giant scheme to avoid giving up fraction, a fraction of our salaries to bureaucrats. We simply, simply despise taxes. Taxes are so loathed by Americans that politicians have, have to come up with new phrases in order to talk about them. That's why fees, tariffs, tolls are used to balance deficits instead of just putting it plainly. Taxes are needed to fund the government. It's an attempt to make taxes palatable to American sensibilities. This, this prettier word tactic is combated by calling anything you disagree with the ominous hidden tax. A hidden tax is something lurking in the bushes that can jump out and bill you. Very scary. Notorious tax phobe, notorious tax phobe Grover Norquist requests conservative candidates sign his heavy-handed pledge not to raise taxes. He wants them to be like 1981's tax cutter, President Ronald Reagan, not like 1982's, 83's, 84's, 85's, 86's, and 87's tax raiser, President Ronald Reagan, because when it comes to taxes, always accentuate the cuts. For politicians, raising taxes is taboo. It's unmentionable, unmentionable. But if you talk with the average weed advocate or marijuana advocate activist or cannabis enthusiast, one of their selling points is if pot were legal, you could tax it. Yes, a sin tax. A sin tax is what the government puts on things like gambling, booze, or tobacco. It's designed to discourage people from doing it because taxes are just that revolting. A sin tax is punitive. It's monetary punishment for being a sinner, quite literally hell to pay. Could could pot smokers be the only group in history of the world to want to be taxed, to hope to be taxed, to specifically ask the government to tax more? I can't remember the last time an interest group volunteered to be taxed, admitted Councilwoman Janice Hahn of, L of Los Angeles, the semi-legal weed capital of the country, which I differ, oh, I differ with. But uh, this might be a first. Historic. A group of Americans are actually lobbying the government, asking to give more money to the government in the form of a tax. Weed is rumored to expand your mind in all sorts of unspecified ways. We may have found one of them. Volumes of political theory have just been challenged. We're witnessing history here. Someone notify the media. So that's an interesting story. I thought that. Uh, Whoa. Uh, when I when I thought about it, she's right. What other group? I don't know of any instance that I could find. I tried to challenge this and say, no, that's not. Right. I don't like the don't sin know. tax, dude. I don't know that smoking pots is sin. It's not a. I mean, yeah. it, 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 like we were talking about last week. It's just the assumption that it's going to be as bad for society as alcohol and tobacco are. And yeah, and I, and I think from the other end of the of the uh, argument, people are just uh, they're anticipating that that will bring with it some sense of legitimacy. Because, you know, now it's taxed. I guess maybe that goes back historically to the Marijuana Tax Stamp Act and all that stuff. And now we're saying, hey, yeah, we'll, we'll get it openly taxed, you know, make it legitimate, you know, in their face. So, just got to do it fairly. Yeah. Got to make sure, make sure we keep them in check that they don't just tax and tax the hell out of us. I mean, it's got to be reasonable, yeah. you know. Right. It's not, it's not a whipping post. It's not about that. It's not, uh, you know, and I think that um, we should never, ever uh, – lay down the 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 argument or the issue of uh of of how non-toxic and how non-damaging and un, and not harmful uh cannabis actually is in the big picture because you know to to help combat this i think maybe hopefully with our mentality uh uh strengthening over the you know our awareness strengthening over the years we'll we'll get a better grip on this instead of going the opposite direction that you indicate i hope that doesn't work i hope so I hope that we'll be like, you know what? It's really not hurting people that bad. Why do I have to pay 30 freaking 7% on, a, on an ounce of bud? So, you know, hopefully we don't get to the wrong end edge of that uh, discussion. Right. Right. Anyway, what else we got going got on today? research, Ben, stuff today. 
vaporizer. Oh, indeed we do. Yes, I'm excited about this one. You know, we talked a little bit about the uh, California Cannabis Medical Research Center. Um, we will, we will um, certainly keep uh, keeping up in our efforts of trying to get one of the representatives from that uh, research center, at minimum one of them, to uh, speak with us here at the Cannabis Agenda. But I, I commented um, about Donald Abrams. He's a, I'm, I'm so like this guy. He chooses the right stuff to do. This is a, a medical research. The project title is called Vaporization as a Smokeless Cannabis Delivery System, which was really cool. It's a clinical study. Um, there is complete results. Um, full results are, are – it's a completed study. Full results are, um, have been published in the journal Clinical Pharmacology and Therapeutics. Um, and here's a, uh, just reading from a brief summary of the results. Um, he says the, the purpose of the study was to evaluate the use of vaporization system, which he used the volcano vapor med uh, in inhalate, inhalatorin. That's a German word because the vapor, the volcano is made in Germany. But uh, he's, this is a technical uh, journal, so he's, he's being extra technical here. But, uh, it's, it, you know, I don't know if you haven't heard of the volcano. I would suggest you check it out and maybe educate yourself. Tim, if you're still listening, that's some good advice to add to your uh, pile of advice that we've given so far. Uh, check out... Uh, Option like alternative um, systems, uh, delivery systems other than smoking that might be in your interest. And uh, among those, I would I would definitely recommend the Volcano as a very high quality vaporizer. But uh, he checked this out. Uh, the purpose was to evaluate the use of this as a smokeless de- delivery system for inhaled uh, marijuana. The study looked at heating marijuana to form a vapor and then comparing drug levels in the blood to those obtained from smoking an identical amount of marijuana from a cigarette. In addition, we compared the tolerability. Uh, of the two methods and measured expired carbon dioxide to evaluate whether the vaporizer reduces exposure to respiratory toxins. Um, 18 healthy subjects were recruited and admitted to the inpatient ward of the General Clinical Research Center at San Francisco General Hospital to investigate the delivery of marijuana by vaporization compared to marijuana smoked in a standard cigarette. One dose uh, 1.7, 3.4, or 6.8% uh, THC, and the delivery system, uh, smoked marijuana cigarette or vaporizer, was randomly assigned for each of the six study days. The analysis suggests that the blood levels of vaporized marijuana are similar to those of smoked marijuana. However, blood concentrations at 30 minutes after drug administration and beyond were significantly higher in vaporized marijuana as compared to uh, smoked marijuana. In addition, the carbon monoxide levels were significantly reduced with vaporization compared with smoked marijuana. 14 participants preferred the vaporization. Two of them uh, preferred smoking and two reported no real preference. I guess just give me my bud was their attitude. Uh, No adverse uh, events were observed. In this study, vaporization of marijuana was found to be a safe mode of delivery. Participants had a clear preference for vaporization over smoking as a delivery system for the marijuana used in this trial. Um, You can check out the abstract of this study. Um, You can look on there on there online. Also, that's I've mentioned, we had that little supplementary book list under our book list tab on our website. And this uh, PDF of the report to the governor from the CC. MR is uh, is listed on there as well, and this study is in there. I believe the abstract is in there, and uh, more more information of uh, how to obtain the full study. But yeah, so he tested it out. He said, "Look, man, let's check out this stuff. Is vaporizing really that much better?" And his conclusion, and you know, I'm definitely summarizing, uh, was yes, yeah, absolutely, it was. Not only was it did it work better, but did you did you note in there that he said that uh, Dr. Abrams stated that. The THC levels after a half an hour were higher, significantly higher with uh, vaporization than it was with smoked cannabis. 
So, you know, for medical purposes, that would be, um, I would think, highly prefer pre preferable. So, yeah, that's interesting stuff. Check it out. You got to know that uh, the vapor, the volcano, uh, vapor med, um, the digi one, like they have a digital one and an analog one. I think the digital one's like five to six hundred dollars. They're so not. It's, they're not cheap. No, they are not. No, they're so expensive hobbies. I, I, I was talking I, to a guy that was trying to make one recently. They're so expensive. Yeah, do you have any luck with that? It it worked okay, but he couldn't get the uh, he couldn't get the temperature to vary right. in the right exact range that's best for it. He could get it like about right. twenty degrees over the optimal temperature and about like twenty mm. degrees under it. He could not mm. hit the actual temperature. Yeah, so. and you know that's been the that's been the longstanding problem with getting vapor te vaporizer technology um, ready for the public, where it's actually usable, um, and that it's. There's a there's a very s small kind of space. Uh, there's I don't know what is it? It's it's under 20 degrees. I believe it's within 10 degrees. Um, uh, the, uh, you have to hit right in there to be able to do that. Initially, they had some vaporizers that were the kind of the plug-in kind. You just plug them in, and then the element heats up from the electricity, and it was impossible to regulate. And it got like it was like burnt popcorn. It was all gnarly, and it just, it's not effective. And uh, they've they've remedied all those problems. Um, there's several other ones that are very effective and highly recommended as well. But the volcano is among the tops, and usually with the consumers, it's rated about the the number one choice. So. Um, something of interest, check it out, look them up, uh, Google uh, Volcano Vaporizer, and I'm sure you'll get more information than you're ready for. All right. That's, that's, that's the research bin for today. It, it uh, helps to vaporize. It pays to vaporize. It's also all of our stories, I think. That's it. We don't have a nugget today either. The mm -hmm. whole thing was that's a nugget. We had our, uh, yeah, our interview with, with Kelly. That was a nice little nugget. Plenty of nuggets. Yes. Lots yes, a million thanks to Kelly Dodds again. We appreciate that, man. It made me just so envious. I'm sitting here, uh, as you know, I'm attending university in Illinois, and uh, I'm fully aware of the beauty. I know why they call it paradise out there, and uh, she's just talking about how lovely it was and kind of brought a tear to my eye. But, you know, I'll get out there and visit it. I'm glad we got to talk to somebody that was as, as intelligent as she is about these issues. And yeah, yeah, that was a uh, that was an excellent interview for sure. Um, I really, uh, really appreciated uh, Kelly coming on. Of course, I know we all did. And uh, thanks, uh, thanks to uh, Pot Green for uh, good job, man, for uh, for securing that interview. That went really well. She handled all those questions brilliantly. She's a very interesting person. Her project sounds like it's going to be successful. We'll have to follow up with her in the future. I think so. I hope so. You know, who knows? She might see me in there as a student someday. You never can tell. Right. Right. Um, let's, look, let's catch up on uh, anybody that's listening should try and check us out look at, uh, look at our website um, www.cannabisagenda.com uh, send us an email at info at cannabisagenda.com you can call us at 707-654-CAN-C-A-N-N um, check us out on Twitter and Facebook and please subscribe to iTunes it'll uh, automatically update for you whenever we drop a new show so check us out Absolutely. Until next Absolutely. until next time, people. Yeah, peace and pot. Peace and pot. Yeah. You've been listening to the Cannabis Agenda, your weekly source for cannabis-related news and informed discussion. 
We podcast for an hour every Monday covering topics related to cannabis legalization, medical marijuana, and market-related information. You can follow online with us at CannabisAgenda.com.